0: Dropping that coast. 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 that coast. Dropping that coast. that coast. Oh, my God, folks, welcome back to another edition of Dropping that Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm A.J. Uh, yeah, I know it's been a minute. Uh, we've been busy. Uh, a things <laughs> happening, uh, for sure. Yeah, Yeah. She, life keeps getting in the way, but in positive ways. Uh, myself speaking, I've been busy uh, on the acting tip. Uh, I've been doing a lot of TV shows lately. I just did one for BT, and I just wrapped another one for Fox. Uh, I can't really go into details as to what I'm doing on both of those shows, but I will say I'm just as excited to see the finished product as anybody else. So uh, been busy on that front. Also, I've been busy with my TikTok channel, uh, The Graveyard Shift with my other buddy, Tim Mathis. And uh, if you guys get a chance to go on there, uh, you can follow us at The Graveyard Shift, all one word, The Graveyard Shift Zero on TikTok. And basically it's just me and this other guy, two schlubs working The Graveyard Shift at a place in West Hollywood. We're bored, so we just make little music videos uh uh during our shift. Not supposed to be doing it, but you know, at this point really don't give a fuck. Uh, but we'll be hey, getting a lot of yeah. you gotta, you gotta give yourself uh, something to pass by
1: the hours, man. I've had graveyard shift before. It's either that or you're gonna listen to trash radio or something, you know. So
0: it's it's you're being productive. Exactly. So and we've been getting a lot of great responses. Uh we've actually some of the artists that we've actually been doing uh, stuff for have actually responded. Uh, to us. Uh, we did uh, uh, DJ, er- uh, DJ Unk's uh, Walk It Out at the beginning of the year. That was our first video of the year and he actually responded back. Uh, we, got, uh, we did 6-9 uh, Boys for Christmas. They responded back and uh, most recently we did the Cupid Shuffle and the guy himself, Cupid actually responded to us. So yeah, we're getting some traction. People are watching. I'm very happy about that. Uh, we just released a couple videos just a few days ago. We did uh, "Outcast," "The Way You Move," and also we did uh, uh, "What Was the," oh yeah, we did uh, "Nars Barkley Crazy." So, uh, like, like I said, just little music videos that we do. Uh, it's been pretty fun, and like I said, go check it out on TikTok. The Graveyard Shift Zero. There's a, apparently, there's another Graveyard Shift on there. We're we are the Graveyard Shift Zero, and that'll be us. So check it out, now. All right. All right, cool. And uh, also on the AJ front, uh, apparently we have a new addition to the family here, at dropping that culture, don't we, AJ?
1: Yes. Three weeks ago, uh, my wife and I welcomed uh, our first son. So uh, his name is Cash. He is amazing and does not believe in letting us sleep eight hours. I've been told that's totally normal. Um, so we're up about every two hours, around the clock. But uh, aside from that, it's a blast, and we're incredibly grateful for this wonderful, healthy kid. And I'm just gonna try not to screw him up too awful bad while I'm raising him with uh, with my wife here, because um, you know he's a blank slate. So I guess it's our
0: fault whatever we do wrong. <laughs> uh, folks, unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to go see him yet due to COVID. But uh, yeah. I'll get a chance. I, I'll get a chance to check him out whenever I can. And. Uh, looking forward to meeting little fella. I've seen, I've seen pictures, AJ sent me pictures. he gets, he's got, he got like Popeye already. So uh, yeah, he's, yeah. He's a, he's
1: a tough little kid. I'll say having to change all the diapers and everything, man, he's uh he's got a lot of spunk and a lot of fight in him. So uh, <laughs> he's dead de- between that and how much the kid eats. I can guarantee you, he's certainly mine. So.
0: That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, the fans have been waiting for us for a long time. We've been out and about, man. I know, uh, some of y'all still listening out there. We're trying to get some more new fans. We, like I said, we're going to get a good show out here for you today. And uh, let's go ahead and get this thing started with our usual segments. First off, uh, Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy, where I can connect any major American film star to the great Eddie Murphy within seven seconds.
1: <laughs> Uh, starting off today, I'd like to use uh, a name that has been in the news a lot recently for all the wrong reasons, um, Mr. Army Hammer. <laughs> Good choice. Have we
0: done Army Hammer?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Really?
1: I, I usually done. try to go. I usually try to go a bit older. Um, but younger can work. I mean, the thing is, Army's had a pretty decent career up till now, so I don't think it's going to take you too long. At least,
0: no, 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 it's not actually. It's not actually. I was just, I was just wondering. Uh, but I can go ahead and go knock that out real quick. All right. So, uh, Army Hammer was in uh, the Man from Uncle with uh, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill was in Man of Steel with Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne was in What's love got to do with it? With Angela Bassett. Angela Bassett was in Vampire in Brooklyn with Eddie Murphy.
1: Not bad. That's pretty
0: quick. Mhm. Um
1: I trying to make it a little more difficult going uh something as, as similar to my Mandy Moore uh coup from the first episode long-time listeners might remember.
0: He is you are still up on that Mandy Moore shit. Oh my god.
1: And Hathaway.
0: It's actually not that hard. Thank you. Asshole. It's actually <laughs> not <that> hard. <laughs> okay, so Anne Hathaway was oh, it's super easy. Anne Hathaway was in the the, uh, the Princess Diaries with Raven Symone. Raven Symone was in Doctor Doolittle, Lady Murphy. <laughs> it was a lot easier
1: than I wanted it to be.
0: The Princess Diaries. I forgot she was in that shit. Yeah, did. <laughs> All right.
1: This one's not going to be super hard either, but I you know I don't want to totally embarrass you. Our first one back after being out for, you know, geez, five weeks now.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'll be shocked if this takes you more than than three to get there, but uh, Ed O'Neill.
0: Like Al Bundy, Ed O'Neill? That's the only one I know. It's funny that you say that because I was actually watching reaction videos to Al Bundy right before you hit me up for this call. (laughs) 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 But uh, that being said, I got you. I still got you. Uh, Ed O'Neill was in Dutch with Chris McDonald. Chris McDonald was in Chances Are with Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. was in both English. That was that uh, was about as <laughs> good.
1: <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be too hard, but like I said, I wanted to
0: wanted to keep it keep it friendly since
1: we've had uh, had a little hiatus there.
0: No, you know what? No. Don't, don't don't do that. I want I want you to be true to form. Like let's go ahead and knock out one more bonus one. One more. One more.
1: Let me consult my list. You can give me the uh, Jeopardy music if you need to. <laughs>
0: you
1: found it i think so yeah all right i'm ready to, uh, harley jane kozak Ooh. <sighs> harley jane kozak. big in the late 80s into the early 90s well big might be a bit of an overstatement She's still around too. She does stuff from time to time, but she was uh she was booking some
0: some notable B films. Harley Jane, okay, I'm a, I'm I'm gonna ask for one just one film for the okay? I will ask that. What
1: happened? Arachnophobia. She was Molly Jennings in arachnophobia. Oh,
0: that chick. I didn't know her name. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, now you say that. Okay. Yeah. So, it. cool. Okay. So uh she was Whatever her name is. She was in Arachnophobia with. do Do I want to go Jeff Daniels or John? I'll go with John Goodman. Okay. She was in Arachnophobia with John Goodman. John Goodman was in Oh Brother Where Art Thou with George Clooney. George Clooney was in. Ocean's 11 with Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac was in life with Eddie Murphy.
1: All right. That's not the way I expect you to go, but that'll work.
0: (laughs) First of all, which way do you want me to go? I thought thought you were going to go Jeff Daniels. I was debating that. I was just debating that with myself. But I decided to go John. And, and then even when you did John Goodman, I
1: was still kind of surprised we went with oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? But you know, it still got there. So yeah,
0: he's in it. He's in this. Year. He's the Cyclops. And I know, the I know he
1: is. But I would have, I mean, there's there's other options with John Goodman. He's been around. So
0: I know, but that that's the
1: first one that popped in my head. That's all right. That's I mean, that's not bad. And this is more proof that it's uh, it truly is a skill.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I forget that chick's name. Yeah, I ain't seen arachnophobia since I was a kid. Goddamn. Uh, All right, but that has been uh, Seven Degrees of Eddie Murphy. (laughs) All All right, let's go ahead and get into our next one, man. We've been out for a minute. Let's go ahead and get this thing going. So let's get uh, (laughs) WWBS. What would Busey say? Hey, this is Gary Busey talking to Gary Busey. What time is it, Gary? It's time for WWBS. What would Busey say? What we talking about today, Gary?
1: Well, keeping it on theme, um, you know, we talk about a lot of interesting stuff with uh, with Busey. Mm-hmm. We have not yet talked about spiders. What is his feeling on spiders? Does he have tarantulas? Does he like tarantulas? Does he ever have them as a pet? Are they something he's interested in? Are they space aliens? I don't know. It's Gary Busey. Let's see. Uh, let's see what he thinks.
0: <sighs> what do I think about spiders? Spiders. Nature's carnivore. (laughs) I admire spiders. I like their methodology. You take a, make a web, just lay and wait. Let the animal come to you. Get caught in your web. You go to it, suck it dry. I admire that about spiders. Now do I actually like spiders being anywhere near me on my person? Not necessarily, however, I did have one particular instance where I was tripping on peyote and I imagine I had a thousand spiders all over my body. It was a very strange sensation. I felt the tingle of a thousand little little legs all over my body, man. It was amazing. I, I, I gotta be honest with you, I actually kind of, I just caught a Woody doing that, man. It was crazy. So I always have a little bit of an affinity for spiders, not only for their methodology, but because of the fact I had that one peyote trip, I tell you one thing about our spiders. They get you all tingling, man. Tag of blood. Yeah, that was great, Gary. How you doing today, Gary? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm Gary Busey. I'm doing great.
1: Less cerebral than I expected, but not bad. <laughs> hey, sometimes sometimes uh Gary is uh blunt to the point. Hey, did you did you see that uh, thing I posted on the Facebook page? Yes, right? I did. Yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> you can get a personalized
0: message from Busey for I think what was it, two fifty or three fifty? Yeah, on Cameo, they do. Yeah, a lot of celebrities do that shit. I think uh, certain people that I know that I know for sure are racking up on Cameo. Uh, Rick Flair is because he has a Cameo. Wow.
1: Peter Weller
0: is. Uh, I've seen a bunch of messages for, uh, on different like uh, social media things from Peter Weller. A bunch a couple of WWE guys like Big E's doing it. Uh, I know, um, uh, Darlene Ortiz, Ice T's wife, ex wife, uh, the one the chick from the power cover, yeah, she does it. So, like, it's a bunch of people that's really cashing in on uh, the whole uh cameo thing. Uh, but yeah, like actually, what well, I'm looking for some rap days right now for Roger. Roger has been out for a minute, man. Roger mm-hmm. has, uh, you know, he's been drunk it's been, been hella drunk it's been a crazy new year bro <laughs> has,
1: man. why would you want to why would you want to do any of this sober and by the way i was going to say i'm really proud of both of us for staying off a cameo instead of you know chilling out that way and making money yeah, yeah 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 you uh, know we're,
0: we're i have to say one step. I'll try to look for rap days, man. You're breaking my concentration, dude. Well,
1: I was like, if I didn't have a son right now, and and I'm learning all the uh, additional responsibilities that come with that, I'm so I would be so tempted to pay for Busey to to give us a shout out.
0: For, for oh, that god, after, like that a you know, so fucking dope. Hey, driving that culture. <laughs> hey. hey
1: but see that's the thing i don't have to pay for it because gary's on my show every week for free so damn right he is all (laughs)
0: right but uh let's go ahead and get to another favorite segment of ours roger reeves rap good evening i'm roger moore you may remember me for my time as bond james bond and i once exchanged bodily fluids with louis jordan this is not so much a commentary as it was, more of a one sided conversation, as I cannot talk to you and you cannot talk to me. And now for another edition of Roger Reads Rap. What is our selection for this evening? Good afternoon, or good evening, or whatever the hell your time frame is. I am Roger Moore. For this week's selection, coming back after a hiatus. I've decided to go with Wait by the Ying Yang Twins. First stanza. Hey, how you doing, little mama? Let me whisper in your ear. Tell you something you might like to hear. You've got a sexy ass body, and your ass looks soft. There's two asses in one sentence. Do you mind if I... Touch it and see if it's soft. No, I'm just playing. Unless you say I can, naughty. I'm known to be a rather nasty man. I like it. They say um, closed mouth don't get fed, but I don't mind asking for head. Well, these are cheeky buggers. I like those. You heard what I said. I. You, we need to make our way to the bed you just start using your head. We like to, oh, I'm sorry, here's an obscenity. Um, we like to F-U-C-K, have your legs open all the way in the butt. But again, that's another really strange lyric. Uh, do it up slapping ass, cause the sex gets rough. We can switch positions and get down for business. So you see what I'm, what you've been missing, something along those lines. You might have had some, but you never had nothing like this. Wait till you see my. Hmm, okay. Wait till you see my dick. <clears throat> hey bitch. Wait till you see my dick. Wait till you see my dick. Hey bitch. Wait till you see my dick. I'm going to beat that pussy up. Hey, bitch, wait till you see my dick. Wait till you see my dick. Hey, bitch, wait till you see my dick. I'm going to beat that pussy up. Like B-M-B-M-B-M-B-M-B-M-B-M-B-M. Beat the pussy up. 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 And lastly, beat the pussy up. Thank you. <laughs> and this has been another episode of Roger Reed's Rap. I am drunk. I
1: mean it's
0: uh <laughs> you know, it's slightly than usual. Yeah, I mean Roger has some issues with some of the curse words. It's pretty uh Graphic,
1: first, uh, that's the first time I've ha- heard him have uh, have issue with the F word. I mean, normally he's just letting it
0: fly, but I guess he's trying to have you know maybe maybe he made a New Year's resolution. Never know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's
1: always had sense enough to realize you know he because with all the hip hop lyrics, he, he's always had sense enough not to say the
0: N word, but. I mean, yeah, if you if you listen to it, yeah, he admired some of the lyrics, especially when they talk about getting head and shit like that. He's yeah, cheeky, brother. Like, he yeah, it's it. true. he does.
1: He does. Look, obviously, he has an appreciation for the genre, or he wouldn't spend so much
0: time and energy to perform it for us. Exactly. <laughs> All right, now uh, we're gonna go ahead and get into dropping that news, but before we do, we had a couple of sponsors that need to show. You, you guys need to show some love to. Uh, first off, Yeah. Go ahead and get yourself some Belserverse merch at teespring.com. We got t shirts, we got hoodies, we got them for men, women, uh, we got them for basically everybody. Uh, all kinds of new merch on there right now. Uh, also, you get the promo code Belser2020. Get yourself a discount on all uh, Belserverse merch. Go ahead and check that out. And uh, AJ, you got another sponsor for us? Yes, we do. Yes, we do ushooker.com for all of your
1: rugby needs. Now, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, this last Sunday was Super Bowl Sunday. And um, I don't know if everybody's noticed or not, but it was a 14-year low for ratings. That means people are bored with it. Could it be that it was Tampa versus the Chiefs? Probably, but it could also just be people are tired of it. They want something new. They want something interesting. Maybe they've found out That in about four and a half short weeks from now uh, we're going to have the launch of the fourth season for major league rugby which means the sport of the gods is going to be kicking off here in four and a half short weeks go to ushooker.com right now you can learn anything and everything you ever wanted to know about the sport of rugby you can also support us and everything we're doing over there by getting some awesome merch we got shirts we got hats we got rugby paraphernalia we got Hey, look, if you want it to be able to show off to people that, hey, you're in the know, now's the time to go and buy it. Get it at ushooker.com. We've, we're still shipping during the pandemic. Killer awesome stuff in there. And again, even if you don't want to buy anything, we have videos. that will explain to you everything you need to know to start watching rugby today. Six Nations has been going on if you want to talk world rugby. But if you're you know stateside here, U.S. resident, Major League Rugby is kicking off in four and a half short weeks. You want to make sure you're ready. Come, uh, was it March 18th, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, go to it, watch it, learn it, and you're going to have a hell of a great time. And even if you're a football fan, you're going from boxing to MMA. You're never going to want to turn back. You'll still watch boxing. I still watch boxing. But come on, man. There's got to be a place in your life for MMA.
0: (laughs) That's right. All right, folks, let's go ahead and get into uh, dropping that news internet dropping that news. Well, and actually, this week it's a news potato, isn't it? Actually, yeah. We, like I said, we've been away for several weeks now. We got some shit to actually cover, bro. All and right. First, so up, let's, yeah, let's, yeah. Do, for, let's do the potato. Well, we just
1: did the news drop. Let's do the potato drop. Okay. Let's do the potato
0: drop. All right, folks. Let's get to the mean potatoes of this. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Potato. Ah, news potato. Okay, go for it. It is potato. Well, you mentioned it uh, while you were uh, talking about your sponsor there. Uh, Yesterday was uh, Super Bowl, well, actually two days ago was actually Super Bowl uh, 55. uh, Held in the uh, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, giving Tom Brady his seventh a Super Bowl win in his tenth appearance, most of all time. Uh, also, uh, during that particular uh, show, uh, the halftime show was actually the weekend. Uh, it's actually, in a lot of people's opinions, one of the worst uh, <laughs> Super Bowl halftime shows ever. Like I, I, not one person was enthusiastic about it whatsoever. Um, and uh, yeah, and like you mentioned earlier, it was a ratings low. Maybe some people are getting tired of the whole hoopla with the Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. Uh, I watched the game uh, actually at a Bowl Cigar Lounge uh, in Torrance. It's not open, but they had a little area outside uh, where we were sitting and watching it, even though it's freezing fucking cold.
1: And uh,
0: I actually left before the game was over because of the fact it was like 9.21, 9.23, Tampa Bay and like uh, was up, was about to start the fourth quarter. I was like, "Fuck this!" Like fucking Tom Brady won again. So like, I just go ahead and work. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, like the outcome that I predicted was the outcome that came out. Tom Brady is a Super Bowl champion. Yeah, uh, I, I, I I was kind of indifferent towards the game. I was hoping for a more competitive game, and that was actually the common commentary of most people that watched it because the fact that you know. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs have been, had such a great year. And they they were the reigning Super Bowl champions of the year before. So a lot of people are thinking, you know, hey, maybe they'll go back to back, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Brady, and the, Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were just too uh, well organized. And they brought it, man. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I, I look, it was, like you said, it was a predictable outcome. I mean, I'll be honest. Once I got deeper into rugby, I started kind of losing interest. And then you add to it, you know, everybody's trying to turn everything, you know, this is much time I'm going to say about it either way, but everyone always tries to turn everything into a political fight when it comes to anything popular these days. And I'm just like, I'm over it. Like if I want to watch sports, I just want to watch sports. So I don't know. That's kind of what they lost me is I was just like, you know what, I'd rather go put my time and energy into something where I'm really watching athletes compete and there's no, no extra noise. Like, for me the sport is always enough watching those guys like destroy their bodies trying to be the champions so I don't know it just didn't even didn't even register for me to be honest but yeah. at any rate I mean it seems like uh seemed like it just was 2020 continued into 2021 yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. most ratings they've ever had in like well in 14 years and everybody just like eh shitty Super Bowl halftime show shitty Super Bowl nobody wants to watch it so yeah, oh, or whatever Is what it is. Uh,
0: And like you mentioned, uh, seeing as how we've had so much news accumulated over the last few weeks, that's basically going to be our meat and potatoes for today. So I'm going to get, I'll go ahead and uh, start this thing off. We got some uh, new trailers that released during that time frame. First off was uh, Godzilla versus Kong. They did a full trailer for that. Uh, I think last time they might have done like a snippet when we last talked, but they, they did a full trailer this time. And uh, yeah, it looks spectacular. Of course, it's continuing the Godzilla, you know, uh, Godzilla King of Monsters uh, storyline. That with uh, Kong Skull Island, uh, all those movies are kind of coming together and culminating with this like mega battle between Kong and Godzilla. And it looks great. The special effects look fantastic, and it's going to be released in theaters, uh, I believe, next month, uh, both in both in theaters and also on HBO Max. Uh, for a limited time. Uh, I'll probably, for this kind of movie, I would probably go to the theater and go check it out. It, look, it's made for theaters, man. It's it's something that
1: would probably just about rate IMAX, I think, because it's a big, you know,
0: disaster movie with monsters. Exactly, yeah. And special effects looks fantastic. And uh, my thing is, like, freaking, like, I, I like the whole thing with, the, the whole arrangement with HBO Max, to be honest with you. But mainly because of the fact that HBO Max has all the classic Godzilla movies on there anyway, so like you can go watch like old, the old ones from like the 60s and the 50s, you know, yeah, Mecha Godzilla and you know, uh, King Ghidorah and all those different characters and shit. it's pretty cool to see, man. Uh, so uh, I'll, like I said, I'm definitely gonna probably go check this out in theaters. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Uh, another trailer that I've dropped was actually for TV, uh, Young Rock on NBC, which is basically going to be uh, the life story of Dwayne, the Rock, and Johnson. Uh, From What I've seen of the trailer, what is, what's going to be happening is apparently the the current Rock is going to be like kind of like a not so distant future type deal. So he's going to be him running for president in like a couple years from now. And he's like telling the reporter like his life story or something like that. It's a weird, a weird version of Everybody Hates Chris. Kind of sort of uh, with I think think the vibe that I saw more Yeah, it's going to be a comedy, but the vibe I saw more was more like uh, you remember young Indiana Jones Chronicles? Oh, yeah. Yeah, when they did like Indiana Jones as a kid and he was like at different ages. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm thinking it's going to be different stories at different ages because it's like a a 10-year-old rock. There's like a teenage rock and then there's like a rock in college. It was like Three different rocks, and then the main one telling the stories and shit. So it's gonna be like different lessons for different episodes or some shit like that. And of course, because of the fact the rock grew up in the wrestling family, there's gonna be a lot of stuff about old school wrestling. And I see a couple of the actors that they're having, they're gonna have like the actors gonna be playing, the actors like playing like the Iron Sheet, uh, somebody's playing Macho Man, somebody's playing the Junkyard Dog.
1: You got an Andre the Giant guy,
0: you know what I'm saying? Like that kind of stuff. And actually, he features that very prominently in the trailers. Like, uh, I got a lot of great stories about Andre and John. He actually says that in the trailer. Um, I'm, hopeful. I'm hopeful the
1: Volcano Kid makes an appearance just because that's my one childhood connection to it. When I actually got to meet him, the Volcano Kid. Well, well see, it man. Makes sense because I think if I if I remember it, I think there's a familial connection uh, between him and uh, and the Rock's uh, dad. The volcano Kid. I'd I look at the name. I'm pretty sure if I remember right, but
0: I'd, I'd have to double check it. Well, the Samoan family, the uh, I'm, I think it's on the, the Oke okay family. Uh, I know, I, I know a family, I, I believe, is very deep in terms of uh, like how many people are in it. Like, most of the people in the, uh, that family went on to become like great, like wrestling superstars, you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, no. Never. Well, and that's why I was trying to remember because I I can never remember what the what the guy's name was who played the volcano kid. But I remember I was like, probably, probably all of about ten years old, nine years old, something like that. When I when I got to meet him, because uh, a, a family friend of ours uh, knew him. I, I I don't think there was any relationship there aside from like I think they'd actually <clears throat> maybe gone to school together or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was telling us that. I remember him telling us that he was connected in with uh, well, obviously years later, once the rock came, I think he was telling us that he was connected the volcano kid with the rock. Uh, But I can't, I just can never remember if he said that they were, they were relatives or if he was telling us that they just, you know, obviously knew each other from work. So, but either way, really, really cool stuff. And I'd love to see that, that come out because that could be pretty awesome. I mean, all those old, old uh, wrestling uh, Titans, coming back in and how they factored into a young Dwayne Johnson's life would be pretty cool storytelling. I just, you know, network television always worries me, though, that they're going to over-edit.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking at the Volcano Kid now, so now that you mention it. Uh, from the looks of it, it looks like he actually passed away. Uh, That's a shame. Yeah. So, no, wait, wait, wait. I, 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 think, I, might, I think I might have the wrong guy. Uh Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, I do see him as a Simone wrestler. No, he, he did pass away. Uh, but yeah, yeah. So it looks like he is connected in some way to that family.
1: Well, and I and I gotta and I gotta say, I mean, when I met him, it wasn't like we were at a wrestling match or something. Like he was a hell of a nice guy. Because um, this was just like it was like a random like Tuesday or something in the evening, and uh, our family friend. Or his family friend, I should say, uh, Romeo was like, "Hey, man, you want to meet the Volcano Kid?" And I was like, uh, "Yes, absolutely." <laughs> and we just showed up yeah. at the apartment he was staying at in, uh, in in Orem, Utah. Yeah, it says that
0: he was nice. briefly. Yeah, it says he was briefly in the WWF, and he also also went by the Samoan Volcano. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, check out Young Rock on NBC. I think it's coming in within the next few weeks. Uh, another trailer that came out for a movie we already talked about, Coming to America, Coming to America too, pretty much. Uh, this is a more full trailer. that gives you a little bit more of the story. Um, so the trailer itself shows like uh, more of the people that's gonna be in it, like Leslie Jones and uh, Tracy Morgan and uh, Wesley Snaps and all those people. So apparently the storyline is from the trailer that Akeem finds out that he has a son uh, basically from his escapades, the first time he came to America in the 80s. Uh, has a full-grown son. Uh, he finds out this, uh, he needs the son because apparently only men can be the uh, heirs to the throne of Zamunda. Uh, so he has to find a son so uh, that he can have his heir and he can actually Akeem himself can actually take his place as king of Zamunda. While at the same time apparently there's an attempt at a hostile takeover from the Izzy family uh, led by Wesley Snipes. Uh, and uh, I not, you know, I know. like, who's Izzy? Like, if you watch the movie, uh, that was the girl he was supposed to be married to in the first movie. It was uh, Colonel Izzy's daughter. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think her name was Amani Izzy. And yeah, he refused that. So apparently, the Izzy's have a, a bit of a bad blood against the uh, you know J- Joe Ford family. Wait, so the, what,
1: what do you do you understand like did they explain what's going on with uh with akeem and oh um, uh, sure what's her name um Lisa yeah Lisa
0: well, so apparently they've been living uh, lovely in Zamunda for years and uh, according to the trailer he has three daughters and apparently the oldest one is really upset because she thought she was going to be there on the throne but it had apparently's yeah. got to be a guy and actually <laughs> funny enough one of the daughters, uh, is actually Eddie Murphy's real life daughter. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, I think her name is uh, Bella Murphy, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, she's actually the she's actually one of his daughters in the movie. And uh, but yeah, like freaking like it's like yeah, apparently there's some issues there. And then there's a couple spots in the trailer where the, Akeem and Lisa are kind of arguing over the fact that he had this kid. And I guess he didn't tell her. So uh, so that's so that's what that is. Or he, or he maybe he didn't know. And it was like whatever. So, uh, but yeah, uh, like the old, all the old cast is back, and uh, it also showed John Amos for the first time. Uh, uh, they didn't show him in the in the previous trailer. So yeah, John Amos is back as a uh, Cleo McDowell. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's, it's gonna be crazy. And I, also, I think that also comes out in no, that comes out in April, and it's gonna be on uh, Amazon Prime.
1: So that's one I'd actually like to go to the theaters with you to see, man.
0: You too, shit. But it's gonna be exclusively apparently on Prime. So,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, that's the like I keep telling you. This is the thing that scares the the hell out of me. Is I don't know how these theater chains are gonna do. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be a bloodbath whenever they finally do open up because a lot of these guys are already. I mean, just all that crazy shit happening with AMC. Yeah, <laughs> you've been seeing in the stock market.
0: Like it's gonna be, mm-hmm. it's gonna be a rough couple of years, man. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But again, uh, Come to America comes out in April. Uh, another trailer, actually, uh, two trailers that came out during the Super Bowl that actually caught my interest. Uh, the main one that really caught my interest, and it really is the only thing Disney related that actually aired during the Super Bowl, was uh, the, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had a first full trailer during the Super Bowl. Uh, actually, it's funny enough, it's actually a 30 second spot during the Super Bowl, but they uh, released the full trailer on YouTube. Uh, just a couple minutes later, uh, that was two minutes. Uh, so, like I said, uh, getting getting more into the story now because of the fact that WandaVision on Disney Plus has been blowing up and freaking like it's been getting better and better each week. I've been watching it religiously since it started. A lot of people were kind of like, "If you on it first, because the fact it does uh, what it does, the first couple episodes is kind of introduces you to the world, but doesn't really introduce you to the world." Uh, the whole get down is uh, they're doing sitcoms or the two uh, the main characters in this particular get down Wanda and uh, the vision are stuck in this like sitcom world um, and they do different types of sitcoms for each show. So the first one was like a Dick Van Dyke, uh, uh, Father's knows Father Knows Best type deal in the 50s and you know. And I love how they, 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 they really played up all the uh, tropes of the sitcoms of that particular time. You know, the whole goofy, hey, uh, it, it's our anniversary, but it's also, this is the night that I have dinner with my boss. And if I don't, you know, nail this dinner with the boss, then I'm going to be fired. And then, of course, both of them have mi- miscommunications about what, the, what they think the night is about, and hijinks ensue. When the actual dinner happens and shit so they did a really good job with that and they, I, I, I looked on the behind the scenes stuff apparently it was actually filmed in front of a live studio audience when they did it i was like okay that's, that's cool so uh so yeah that was the first one the second one the second episode was more
1: Hold on, the, the question on that one i've got having worked around for for a bit are you sure that it was filmed in front of a live studio audience and that yeah it- they
0: had a behind the scenes thing it was filmed okay
1: because one of the things that i've i've heard of happening because of all of the the covet issues last year mm-hmm. and so maybe it was just a delayed release but like i've heard where like they'll film an audience somewhere else literally like sometimes in another another country Mm-hmm. and then they'll film everything happening here and then they'll laugh track it or you know whatever cut in the applause and cut in the audience separate so that the performers and the audience are never together because of like essentially covid uh insurance issues
0: no uh this was actually filmed from the live studio audience at least the first episode anyway but it just must oh, be like delayed release or something yeah it was definitely a delayed release they filmed this like real early like last year so yeah, cause it was cracking me
1: up. Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you which shows that I've, I've heard about that happening. But I, I heard like there was this one show where they like filmed the audience in like Australia and they filmed the show in like Burbank, and then they cut it together later. And I was like, um, all
0: right. <laughs> right, 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 right. What <laughs> you
1: guys want to do? do. Okay.
0: No, nah, but uh, yeah, they really uh, they yeah, they really did a good job with the first episode. Like I said, the second episode was kind of bewitched ish. The, the third episode is Brady Bunch-ish. The uh, last episode, last couple episodes have been like 80s, so it's like fam- they they did a great, one thing about the show of WandaVision, they do an intro for each of the fucking sitcoms, segments or whatever, and they're all like time specific and very accurate. Uh, the Brady Bunch one was like, just like the Brady Bunch, and the most recent one they did, was it was like a mix of three TV shows from the 80s. There was a uh, family ties. They did you know remember the beginning of Family Ties where they had the painting? Yeah. They did that on WandaVision. <laughs> That's
1: pretty funny.
0: Yeah. They did that and then they did the whole point where like uh we uh remember the shit on growing Pains where they showed the picture of the person and then it would show like a picture of their lives, well, uh, yeah. you know, like when I'm younger and then they're growing up and then them as they are now. They did the same thing on Wandavision too. <laughs> and the funniest thing about that is they did it for the vision, but the vision was uh an artifact artificially created adult. So they had baby pictures of baby vision. I was like, that makes no sense. He wasn't a baby. (laughs) But yeah, it was was just really silly stuff, man. But they did really good. But uh, even though the sitcom stuff is silly, the underlying storyline is very good and it's very, you know, uh, it's pretty much a mystery. You're trying to find out why this is happening. uh, Why does this character like... uh, how how is this able to happen? Like there's so many, like so many like underlying mysteries here. Uh and one thing I do like about it is it brings together a lot of these supporting characters from different franchises. You got a character from Ant-Man is in it, there's a character from Thor in it, there's a character from Captain Marvel in it, and they're all working together on this mystery. And it's really good. Very, very well done so far. And like I said, it's getting better and better each week. And Very, the shows rarely don't do that. And, like, I'm just, it it actually pulled out a bombshell this past week that has huge ramifications for the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, as far as spoilers go, my saying is this, especially when it comes to streaming shows, if you haven't seen it after day two, you are shit out of luck. The show came out Friday. This is Tuesday morning as I'm taping this. I'm, I'm saying, I'm fucking. Spoiler alert. Okay, so uh, the ending of Episode 5 for WandaVision, uh, they basically had a reappearance of a character that a lot of people were not anticipating, myself included. But uh, one of those underlying storylines of the Scarlet Witch character is that uh, her brother, uh, Quicksilver, was killed in the movie uh, Avengers Age of Ultron. And it was played by a different actor. Uh, So, they brought back the character, Quicksilver, uh, but is actually played by the other actor that played him in the X-Men franchise, Evan Peters, not the one that played him for Marvel uh, for the MCU, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Now, strictly speaking, especially from fans like myself, a lot of people prefer the Evan Peters Quicksilver to the Aaron Taylor Johnson one just because of the fact he was funnier. It was just a better portrayal. And they brought him back. And the reason I say it's got such big implications because this is the very first member of the Fox X-Men franchise to be introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So a lot of people are thinking, is this the formal introduction of the X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Franchise? Or is it just this one actor? So that's really what's blowing people's mind right now. So it's very possible this is the very first hint of the X-Men in the Marvel cinematic universe. And A lot of people are that. It. right? It's
1: just warming up. I think that's where we're at.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then like uh well, like, going back to
1: yeah, go ahead. Did you ever did you ever see the movie um uh Wag the
0: Dog? Oh, uh is that the shit where uh with Dustin Hoffman?
1: Dustin Hoffman and Robert De Niro were there rigging an election.
0: Yeah. 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 I I saw I saw bits and pieces
1: of that. Yeah. One of my favorite movies, there's this great scene where where uh, Dustin Hoffman is uh, explaining to them how they're supposed to do stuff with this, you know, quote unquote, fake war hero that they've created. That's supposed to bring out. He goes, look, honey, and you, you don't show Jaws in the first reel of the film. You have to wait. The payoff is if you sit through all five reels on the sixth reel, that's when you get to see the shark. And I think that's kind of like the way you need to think about what, what Disney going to do with X-Men. If they just came out tomorrow, like, Hey, here's all of the Fox franchise Marvel stuff in one go, then everyone would be like, okay. And then you're done. But if you just bleed it in slowly, you can build that tension for maybe two, three years before you finally get something, you know, on par with like, when they finally had Avengers, right? You don't exactly. want to go. It needs to slowly bleed in until, boom, dude. here's everything.
0: I've been saying that all the time. Like, dude, take now, Hey, let them take their time. Because uh, I don't know if y'all realize this or not. They had a full production plate long before they even got the X-Men. So now they got the full production plate that they already had. And then they got to add this other stuff, like X-Men, Fantastic Four. Give them time. Let them do it. and and it's working fine so far well and you also you don't want to put too much
1: pressure on it because I mean look for the first time we've had we had a whole episode about so go back and listen to it but for the first time pretty much since I'm going to be over the top and say Empire Strikes Back although actually um, Rogue One was pretty pretty damn good but for the first time really I'd say we're getting some kick-ass Star Wars you know themed stuff coming out right I mean it's Star Wars Universe even though it's not exactly when normally think of as stars with the mandalorian right why on earth would you want to throw any additional pressure and stuff on there to let these guys screw up like some stuff's going well give it time let it let it all build you don't want to try to you know what's what's that old saying you you got to you got to walk before you can run
0: yeah exactly so freaking like i tell people all the time like freaking like yes there's a lot of stuff coming down the pike it's not going to come all immediately where are like but this is it's kind of indicative of society now Everybody's like, give it to me now, give it to me now, give it to me now. We're all like raised on like binge culture. Like fucking, we want all the episodes right here so I can watch it in a day and then be done. So, but that not used to the structure that Disney Plus and all these other things are doing, where it's like give you one episode a week. That's traditional television. Right, you just got to wait. Like give it give it time. It's gonna it's gonna pay off for you. Just give it time. So all I'm saying is be patient with that. And I also uh, I, I got really off of track because I'm really loving WandaVision, but I, I was actually talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And like I say, more honestly, I was actually looking forward more to the Falcon and the Winter Soldier than I was to WandaVision. But WandaVision has surprised me. And if that if that show surprised me, I can only imagine what the hell the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is going to do. Because I've seen the trailer itself looks like it was basically looks like a movie. And the uh, actual stars themselves have stated that the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is basically going to be a six-hour movie. Uh, it's going to be six episodes, all of them are going to be an hour apiece. Whereas WandaVision right now is like nine episodes and they're like thirty minutes apiece. So you're going to get a lot of cinematic uh, value with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It looks like a movie. It looks like they're releasing a movie, and I can, you can just you can see the money. You can see where they're putting the money in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's yeah. all over that place, man. And I'm looking forward to it. I really am. So uh <laughs> so there's that. And the last trailer that actually popped up during the Super Bowl that I, I'm I honestly I don't really give a fuck about this franchise anymore, but it, it's coming out and people are gonna be all up on it. It's just kind of how it is. Fast nine. Uh the fast and the furious nine. Uh, they did their first full trailer during the Super Bowl as well, uh, and I'm gonna say just like the rest of the movies, pretty much since the first one, it was ridiculous as shit, <laughs> and it's just getting more and more ridiculous. I think at one point in the trailer, uh, Dom is driving the car, and it hooks the car into like a bridge, and then the bridge like it like the car like swings like fucking Tarzan over an island. Like I'm like, oh, you get, get the fuck out of here! And I think there's another point where uh, John Cena, who's actually the new addition to the franchise, uh, replacing pretty much The Rock. A like, hey, one WWE guy gone, let's get another WWE guy, John Cena. So, uh, <laughs> so at one point, John Cena drives a car off a cliff, and then the, the car gets picked up by, on a magnet by a stealth plane. That's in the trailer.
1: So, are you telling me that they've jumped the shark with Fast and the Furious? Franchise? Dude, they
0: they jumped the shark. They fucking catapulted over the goddamn shark dude. They fucking, they pretty much serving shark steaks right now. No, I guess, I guess my
1: my question is, you're telling me that now, not four movies ago. No, I've been saying that shit since, like, fucking, the first time I, The Rock showed up. I thought this shit jumped the shark then, be, but, like... I'll be honest. The yeah. first one, that's a great film. I mean... Yeah, the first one. It, it's a B movie, but it was a great film. Second one, yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Tokyo Drift, honestly, I was actually, I was pleasantly surprised. And, I, and I'll be honest, it's like a guilty pleasure. Like I watched that one quite a few times. I thought it was all right. <clears throat> After that, I was just like, going, what the hell are you guys doing? Like,
0: it, what is it? it what is yeah, it, it? turned the street racism basically into GI Joe. They're on missions now. Yeah, and the worst, have... the
1: worst side of GI Joe. <clears throat> I always thought about it. They they turned it into triple X. Yeah. Ridiculous, over the top. What the hell are you guys smoking? Kind of action porn, essentially, right? Yeah. Like there was just there's nothing about like <clears throat> in the entire in the entirety of of Western government. The only people who can handle this mission are a bunch of felons, who <laughs> street race for fun. <laughs> bunch of street racers from L.A.
0: Those are the only ones that can complete this
1: mission. You Got to have them because otherwise, the fate of the world is gonna. <laughs> Gonna careen off into something terrible. It's
0: like let's let's add in this giant buff uh, pro wrestler guy who happens to somehow have superhuman strength. Yeah, uh, yeah, that kind of shit. And let's just let's, let's just drive these cars on the different uh, surfaces and uh, put them on different types of vehicles. Let's let's have a car. Let's have some cars on the ice and then a the submarine come up. Let's have let's have one car drive another car uh, from one skyscraper to another. This has some shit like this. Have you ever see
1: the oh. episode where the boys find the crash plane and there's the, uh, the the newest copy of the next Fast and the Furious?
0: No, no, I have not. Oh my God. Do, do yourself a favor. Look that one up. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, I have been looking up some old South Park stuff, but mainly for Randy Marsh. Say, say that again. I say I've been looking up a lot of old South Park stuff, but mainly for Randy Marsh. Dude, Randy's a hilarious character. Oh, my God. I was watching the Lord episode last night. <laughs> I am Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am
0: Lord.
1: Yeah. Apparently. So the the actual uh, uh,
0: lady, Lord, from, what is she, New Zealand, I think? Yeah, <laughs> she actually likes the episode. She loves right. this. Yeah, she actually likes that episode. And she actually did the yeah, 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 I am Lord, I think, on the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he comes over there, yeah, well, so I do this, and then I quantize it, and then I just add auto-tune, and it sounds like low. <laughs> His whole thing, how he he's, he sits
1: in the bathroom by himself singing at work. <laughs> yo,
0: yo, feeling <laughs> good on Wednesday. <wisdom. laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Okay, all right. So this, yeah, but yeah, this Fast and Furious coming out, so go check it out if you want to go check it out. Uh Now here's kind of a hard part of the show, but we have to uh we have some RRPs in pop culture that we gotta do there's actually quite a few uh so let's go ahead and get us out of the way can I, uh,
1: do, can I do my first one that's probably hit me a little bit harder than some of the other ones go for it uh, so this just breaking today um, oh today yeah today actually it was uh, mary wilson
0: founding member of the supremes Oh, I saw I saw a thing with uh I think Cheryl Lee Ralph was on her thing crying about Mary Wells. I was like, "Oh, she passed away." Yeah.
1: That's that for me, that's probably probably one of the hardest right there cuz yeah, dude, I'm music is uh is kind of one of those bigger things for me and uh I I listen to a, a ton of Motown. It, it's weird like, you know, cuz you and I have talked about it before when it comes to writing and stuff. If I'm writing alone, if I'm not working with you, yeah. Um, that's kind of it's, you know, it's whatever you can call it. Uh, uh, Anyway, you can talk whatever shit you want to talk about it. This is probably my dad brain breaking down for not sleeping for the last three weeks. But, you know, my, my whole thing, when I listen to it, uh, listen to music is it's basically I see things, right? Like it's, it's my muse as it were. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But depending on what it is, I'm writing, it's going to impact what genre I listen to. But if I'm not writing and I'm just enjoying life, Motown's always been kind of one of the the biggest ones I go to, and I mean, Supremes are just as much a pillar of of that genre as anybody you can name. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely a loss for uh for us in pop culture and a, a loss for music lovers everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Makes sure you rest in peace, man. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, going into the list here. Uh, first up, uh, the Hammer, Hank Aaron. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, passed away at age 86 from uh, natural causes. Uh, For those of you who are not baseball fans, uh, Mr. Hank Aaron had a uh, long 23-year career uh, in the majors. I think he played for a couple teams, like the uh, played for the Oakland A's, and I think he played for the Braves, uh, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, He had, uh, like I said, he uh, actually closed out his career in 1976, and he had like a bunch of records that still stand. He had a Uh, 2,000 runs batted in, uh, 6,000 total bases, and 25 appearances at the All-Star Game. Uh, But obviously his greatest career accomplishment would be in uh, April 8, 1974, when he surpassed Babe Ruth and became the all-time home run leading champion uh, for Major League Baseball with 715 home runs. Now, that record has since been broken, by Barry Bonds, however, uh, with the revelation that Mr. Bonds has uh, partaken in some uh, steroids, um, a lot of people kind of consider his claim to the throne fraudulent because he had help. And a lot of people still consider Hank Aaron to be the true home run king, myself included. Uh, and like I said, he like he still was you know he still was a beloved uh, figure in baseball. I think they have a award. Uh, the uh, Hank Aaron Award is, I think, for like uh, certain uh, baseball players, whatever, get the Hank Aaron Award. Uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, is a big figure in baseball. And actually, uh, MC Hammer got his name from uh, Hank Aaron because of the fact that uh, when he played for the A's, um, MC Hammer was a bad boy for the team. And a lot of people thought that he looked like uh, he could be Hank Aaron's son. So they kept calling him like Lil Hammer. And that's how the name came about. He, that was his nickname, uh, Hammer. So eventually he became MC Hammer.
1: I didn't realize that was MC Hammer.
0: Yeah, MC Hammer. That's so right. he, got, he, got, he got his name from the Hammer, Hank Aaron. <clears throat> so Maybe. rest in peace, yeah, rest in peace, Hank Aaron. Um, you have anything you want to add to that? No, not
1: for Hank. I think you covered him, man.
0: All right, cool. Uh, next up on the list, uh, Gregory Sierra, uh, actor. Uh, died at 83 uh, from cancer. Uh, most people know him, myself included, uh, as uh, the uh, <laughs> the Puerto Rican neighbor of uh, Fred Sanford on Sanford and Son. Julio, because uh, uh, despite how nice and easygoing Julio was, Fred Sanford would go out of his way to crack on Julio be being Puerto Rican and all this or whatever, and like he just couldn't understand Julio and therefore he would make fun of him. But Julio was always so nice to Fred Sanford and especially to the son of Lamont. And that's why he made Julio an enduring character. But in addition to playing Julio, he was actually a, he was actually in a bunch of, uh, uh, different great shows in the seventies. Uh, he played a radical Jewish, uh, vigilante on, uh, all in the family against Archie bunker, which was a crazy episode. Uh, he played El puerco uh, a, uh, uh, counter-revolutionary on the, on the TV show Soap uh, on ABC with, uh, what's the name, uh, Billy Crystal and uh, Catherine Hellman and all those guys. Uh, and he also uh, was on Barney Miller. He was, a, he was a cast member on Barney Miller. And in addition to those shows, he was also, his his uh, big screen resume was including movies like uh, uh, The Trouble with Spies. He was in Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. He was in Heart Shards Part Do I do remember him in Heart Shards Part Do. Uh, he's yeah. also, uh, I think he's a police chief in the Low Down, Dirty Shame. and He's also in John Carpenter's Vampires. So, oh, that's uh, a Yeah, that's right.
1: Long career, bro. I forgot about John Carpenter. Yeah, that was
0: great. Yeah, John Carpenter's Vampires. Yeah. So yeah. May, he rest, may he rest in peace. Next up, and this is a big one, Larry King. Larry, yep. Larry King passed away at the age of 87 after contracting COVID-19. So this is a COVID-19-related death. Uh, for those of you, uh, especially of a certain age, you know that Larry King is best known for his uh, two and a half decade run as the host of Larry King Live on CNN, especially CNN's longest-running show and its most-watched show for the longest time. Now, Larry King Live, he basically interviewed everybody. I mean, celebrities, presidents, world leaders, uh, all different entertainers and athletes, uh, all in all the 25 years he was on there. Basically, a lot of people, there are people who would not do The Tonight Show, who would not do Letterman, who would not do Arsenio, but they would do Larry King. They would do Larry King live. He got like, the biggest of the big.
1: I was say, you know the secret as to why, right? What's up? Larry King, and you can go back and watch his, his old episodes or just even clips that you can find. He is one of the only people in the last... Twenty-five years or so, maybe maybe you can push it back even forty years at this point because he's been broadcast for a long time. Yeah, when the only people that when he interviewed, I think two things: one, he was he was always really curious about his subject, mm-hmm. so he asked a lot of questions. And then this is the most important part: he got out of their way. He would he would ask enough questions, and it was always it was always a leading question or an open ended question. He wouldn't ask a yes or a no question. And he was very seldom, if ever, asking anything that could be considered, uh, for lack of a better term, politically charged. He would always ask them, hey, a lot of people have said A, B, and C, or we've heard um, about, you know, like I remember one of the one of the ones that just popped in my head right now was like Dog the Bounty Hunter. And he talked with him a little bit after some of the uh, controversy around him and some of the racial crap that he had going on and things that he was, he was saying. And um, Larry never came at him and they're like, You're a racist and you have been for 35 years. Can you explain to me how that came about? Like he never did that. He's always like, Well, explain to me this thing I'm hearing about that. And then, you know, depending on whether you liked Larry or not, you know, you might say he missed a chance or whatever. But more often than not, as he allowed these people room to talk, they would either rise or fall on their own merits. And so like you said, there's people who they wouldn't do name a show, right? They wouldn't do, they wouldn't even do Regis and Kathy Lee, right? They 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 wouldn't do Tonight Show. They wouldn't do, um, you know, NBC Nightly News. They'd stay away from all that, but they'd always go to Larry King because Larry always gave his subjects space to talk and they could hang themselves or they could redeem themselves or, or at, the, at the bare minimum, they always felt like I had an opportunity to tell my story. I mean, yeah. it was truly one of the last, and this is kind of funny too, if you think about it, it was one of the last long form uh, subject or not subject but uh, um, long form uh, formats where you allowed the subject to really truly have a conversation with somebody. And Larry not necessarily ever coming across as an interested party and trying to for lack of a better terms score points one way or another. Yeah, always gave these folks a sense that at least they're getting a fair shake. and again. Some of the people he'd interview were absolutely horrible people and had horrible stuff and they'd end up just, you know, for lack of a better term, hanging themselves. Other people would come out and they might end up a little bit better off than they were before because they finally had an opportunity to speak without ending up in this soundbite culture that I think is what's driven so many people towards podcasting now because now we're in a situation where we can finally, you know,
0: have have a conversation that's not revolving around gotcha. Exactly. And a lot of people would give uh, Larry King flat because they thought he would ask like powder puff questions. But at the same time, like like you just mentioned, like he got everybody. He got people that the other people didn't get. Like he got Michael Jackson. He got Prince. He got basically most of the presidents, uh, if not all of the presidents up until Trump. And he brought he, he got Trump just as a celebrity, not as necessarily the president.
1: Um, I mean, but by yeah, then, I, you know, Larry King didn't have Larry King live anymore, and he was only on a Russian television network, so. Yeah, exactly, so, yeah. So, <laughs> kind, of, kind of shifted. I, I think for young, maybe to help our our uh, younger listeners that didn't grow up, you know, with parents or grandparents watching this. Um, yeah. And it's a weird one to say, but stick with me. He was basically that generation's Joe Rogan.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from now, like, the where, like, he's seen as, like, the source now. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's I mean, like the I mean, top interviewer, even though yeah, he like, yeah. I mean, so
1: Joe Rogan's more opinionated, and he'll he'll push people a lot harder than Larry ever would. Yes. If he thinks that they're off on something, but it was the same kind of thing where it's like people felt like, hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna have an actual conversation. They're not gonna edit me. They're not gonna screw around with me. I'm gonna be able to say my piece.
0: Yeah, and uh, one thing I've seen a lot of real subversive comedians really love Larry King like uh Norm McDonald, like has a whole shrine to Larry King. Actually Larry King actually guested on Norm uh, Norms uh podcast when he had it. And also uh Dennis Miller loves Larry King. Actually Dennis Miller guested on Larry King's uh most recent show uh, when Larry was out sick. Uh and then like other comedians like Bill Burr, Jim Gaffigan, they love Larry King, man. And uh actually uh go ahead. you're talking about
1: Comedians com- considered to be subversive, and Jim Gaffigan made that guy? <laughs> yeah, uh,
0: well, I'll just say I'll just say comedians at that. Okay, word. all right, because you'd said subversive to begin
1: with, and I was like, eh, I can kind of get there with Dennis Miller and Bill Burr because some people, but Jim Gaffigan's
0: like he's the he's yeah the he's beloved. Uh, 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 no, yeah. yeah, so yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, just uh, check, but uh, you know, actually, one of my favorite podcasts from back in the day. Uh, well, not really back in the day, but just a few years back, the Kevin Pollak uh, show. <laughs> He had a game on there with his celebrities, where he would play the Larry King game, where basically he would have the celebrities do a bad or decent. If they could do a decent Larry King impression, he'd have them do it. But if they do a bad one, it's even better because it's a bad Larry King impression. So basically, they have them. They have the guests hunch over like Larry King, make a weird statement about their personal life, and then they uh, name out of town and sh- uh, or whatever. Like you know, Larry would have like get, guests call in. Yeah. And so they would be like. Uh, my favorite one was actually uh, uh, Greg Proops from uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway? Because he just went off on a tangent. He's like doing <laughs> Larry King. He's like, uh, uh, tonight on Larry King. Robert Mugabe, dictator or misunderstood artist in an unpopular medium. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he kept going like, I remember when I invented gelato. And I don't know if you've ever seen a giraffe lick its undercarriage, but. Uh, he just kept going. He's like, "Uh, uh, <laughs> uh I remember growing up with uh, Sandy Koufax and Dick Drysdale and a bunch of other people I didn't grow with. <laughs> he said, uh, "I've had, I have several children. Uh, several children. Many of those names I cannot remember. One of them, I believe, his name is named Zorro." <laughs> it's so funny, like you said, if you actually know. You actually know
1: who Larry was. and You watched his stuff. Like I, I remember because this was a crazy thing when he was first on CNN. Mm-hmm. He would have his his show broadcast on radio. Yeah. On CNN. So I remember multiple times driving somewhere with my grandpa. We're listening to Larry King in in the car as we're driving. We get home. He goes inside and turns on the TV, and we keep watching Larry King.
0: It is. <laughs> since you mentioned him being on the radio, remember he's in the radio on Ghost in Ghostbusters. He had a cameo in Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And he was on the radio. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and actually one thing uh, we was talking about, uh, he rarely did like interviews with other people. But one thing he always said in terms of uh, his uh, style of interviewing, he said that, uh, the key to being a great interviewer is to be a great listener. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that, and that, and again, that goes right to what I was saying. Like, you know, the whole idea, exactly. is, you know, ask a question and get out of the way.
0: Yeah, Uh, uh, apparently over his uh, 25 years on uh, Larry King Live, he did uh, over 6,000 episodes and they each averaged over a million viewers nightly. Now, this is actually a statement here uh, from uh, Larry's official Twitter page upon his death. For 63 years and across the platforms of radio, television and digital media, Larry's many thousands of interviews, awards, and global acclaim stand as a testament to his unique and lasting talent as a broadcaster. Larry always viewed his interview subjects as the true stars of his program, and he was, and that he himself was merely an unbiased conduit between the guest and the audience. Whether he was interviewing a U.S. president, foreign leader, celebrity, scandal-ridden personage. Or in every man, Larry liked to ask quick, direct, and uncomplicated questions. He believed that concise questions usually provided the best answers, and he was not wrong in that belief. No, not at all. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I and, would, I, I
1: would uh, say anybody who wants to have a, an interview type show. Yeah. There's not anyone I can think of that would be a better role, mo- role model for how to actually accomplish that in the interview setting than Larry King.
0: And I actually watched his most recent show, Larry King Now, man, it's, it was a great show too. So he'd been doing that for, he's been doing that for a couple of years now.
1: Yeah, since uh, CNN ended
0: pretty much. Yeah, and actually I'll go ahead and finish that off with a personal Larry King story. Uh, uh, I, I think I may have mentioned this once before, but I actually met Larry King very briefly uh, it was actually, uh, I was doing a, uh, a, a screening of uh, Mission Impossible Fallout for the website God Hates Geeks. I was covering it like as a pop culture thing. Mm-hmm. And, and when it was over, we all went to the bathroom. It was a big line going to the bathroom, and into the bathroom walks Larry King uh, in a little leather jacket, very small guy. But he comes in there, mm-hmm. like everybody's like, oh shit, Larry King. Like, hey, Larry. I, even, I was like, oh shit, Larry King. Because he was like right in front of me. Like, hey. I just asked him point where, hey, what you think of the movie? Oh, yeah, great movie. Very nice, Great stuff. Always enjoyed those movies. Just like that. <laughs> so, so that was my meeting with Larry King in a bathroom in Century City. At AMC, nonetheless. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, rest in peace, Larry King. So let's go ahead and move on. Another one that really hurt. Yeah, another one that really sucked. Of course, Leachman. Yeah, dude. Oh, man. Chorus Leachman died at the age of 94 from natural causes. Uh, Cloris Leachman, of course, her career started uh, briefly after she competed in the 1946 Miss America pageant. 1946, bro. Dude. God. And, of course, she'd been having such a long and and illustrious career. But her real breakthrough came in the 70s, uh, when she was uh, cast as the landlady Phyllis on the Mary Tyler Moore Show in the set, uh, in the 70s, which actually ended up having her get her own spinoff show, uh, Phyllis, of course. Uh, she won two Emmys for her role on the Mary Tyler Moore Show and then won another Golden Globe for Best Actress on uh, when she did Phyllis. Uh, in terms of her film work, uh, she, of course she was best known during that particular period for two movies, The Last Picture Show in 1971, for which she actually won the Academy Award the Best Supporting Actress, and also a big favorite of your mind, Young Frankenstein in 1974 is Frau Blücher.
1: Now, I just have to say, as yeah. far as comedic right? Because people always talk about why aren't there more comedic actresses? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother discussion. What I can say is, whatever comedic actors or actresses are out there right now, yeah, they owe a lot. A lot to Cloris Leachman because one of the absolute funniest women, and, and here's the thing too, because if you if you watch it, her late you watch her later work, just yeah. this, it is like a grandma essentially. Everything from her cameo in The Office, yeah. which is freaking hilarious, where she's playing a love interest to Jack Black. To yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Grandma in Bad Santa.
0: Yeah, she was the grandma in Bad Santa.
1: The woman. <laughs> was an absolute tour de force. Great comedic timing, hilarious through and through. And my my one indulgence would be I, I worked on a, a film she was in. Um, and I think it would have been about 2014. No, I might have been 2012. Um, and she was playing, uh, uh, playing a grandmother and in the whole thing. But anyway, she, um, she was on set and I was shooting the electronic press kit. So I got to interview her. And a nicer, funnier person off off screen, I, I couldn't think of. And uh, probably my favorite thing about it was two, twofold. So she leaves after the interview, and my friend, who was a PA who was assigned, who came up to me afterwards and said, Do you know, do you know, Chloris Leachman just called you a little shit?
0: Nice. Oh, what? Yeah, like, I remember, yeah I remember what you told me that yeah,
1: yeah she, goes, she goes yeah she said could you believe this little shit I walked in there and this was one of the easiest interviews and blah blah she was basically it, it was her being extremely kind and nice because it was a professional experience for her to be able to do this interview but she was still yeah. calling me a little shit because that's what I was at that point in the business I, and I'm you know <laughs> absolutely nobody first real job kind of a thing um and then to top it off when she was leaving set she's sitting in the front seat of of her car driving away, and she she's flipping everybody off as she leaves, saying, goodbye, everyone. Great, great, great show. Good luck, good luck. For <laughs> picture so.
0: And actually, my first, yeah, my first That was like an Oscar.
1: Like, Cloris Leachman even noticing that I existed, like, that was freaking
0: phenomenal. Yeah, that yeah, is dope. And also, uh, I actually, I would like to apologize to the uh, people listening right now. They're doing construction on my house right now. Uh, oh, so if you hear wow. a lot of loud, yeah, uh, good, good. If you, uh, so I say, if you do hear some kind of banging or whatever outside, they're doing that. So let's go ahead and continue. Uh, I was gonna say real, real quick, my first knowledge of Miss Cloris Leachman was actually she was the granny in the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Oh yeah, yeah that's so what I about. That. <laughs> yeah, she was she was granny in that shit, and she was fucking hilarious. Really? Now, uh, my my favorite line of hers in that movie is like, uh, it's her and uh, the girl that played Ellie May. And she's like spitting out a window or something like that like that. And she's like, girl, don't be don't you be spitting out no there window like that. Wait till it stops. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> and then uh, in the other granny role that I love her the most in, fucking she was the old lady in Beavis the Budhead Do America.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, the 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 slut. The old, they they kept calling her a whole slut she was saying slot but they misinterpreted a slut
1: (laughs) oh man that i'm I'm gonna have to watch young frankenstein again i haven't seen that for for a little while i I'm, I'm 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 so happy i had a chance to to actually get to meet her but like there's you know that's the thing dude like there's some of these folks getting older and older and it's just I want yes. so bad to have opportunity to to work with them on something, and you know, yes. I mean, it's like we always talk about, like one of the one of the saddest ones for me is that Bernie died as young as he did because I never got to see Bernie Mac perform live, and I also never got an opportunity to work on any shows around him. So, right,
0: right, and one last thing from Cloris Legion and Bees and Butthead, the other spot where they were like at the dam and like uh, they kept thinking they kept thinking it was they were going they're finally in Washington D.C. That was their goal, yeah, and uh. It was like, oh, God, we made it to Washington. And she's like, no, this is the Hoover Dam. And i are like, no, no, we're in Washington. Like she was deaf. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was so funny. Uh, but yes, uh, rest in peace, Chorus Leachman. And one last little note before I get off of Chorus Leachman. Um, she had 22 Emmy nominations overall in her career, making her the most nominated actress in television history. And she's currently tied with Julia Louis Dreyfus for the most Emmy wins of all time with eight wins. Crazy. Yep. Yeah. Rest yeah, peace, this, this is one of those
1: ones that makes you worried, you know, and at the same time, in, in that much more in awe of
0: Betty White. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. actually, I think they did a recent interview with her where she was like, uh, talking about having a fake feud with Betty White. And it's like, we could tell this on the dance floor because she had just did Dancing with the Stars.
1: Yeah. Well, because that's the thing. I mean, they're. They're
0: contemporaries, I think, within a couple of years anyway. Yeah, exactly. They've been, yeah, both of them have had careers. I think I, I, think I put put this on Besselverse. Uh Both, I know Betty White has had a career spanning 70 years, wow. and Cloris Leachman was like 63 years. So, yeah, they've been, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, they've been around for a minute, but yeah, recipe, Cloris Leachman. Another rest in peace, Cicely Tyson. Mm. Phenomenal actress, died in 96 from natural causes. Uh, Especially uh, for young Black actors, Cicely Tyson is like a beacon in a Black community, man. Like freaking like, she's always, for years and years and years, she's always portrayed herself with such a grace and just such a like, oh my God, like just a natural beauty about her, man. Like freaking like, so many actresses, so many of your favorite actresses today hold Cicely Tyson to a high level and actors. Because in fact she was number one, she's a phenomenal actress. And on top of that, she's always like been so uh, gracious in terms of how she portrays herself and how she portrays her people. And she's been a bold, very focal activist in terms of civil rights and things of that nature. So for this uh, for this woman, you know, she's lived a long life, long, fruitful life. And uh you know sense to hear this kind of past is, is very rough. But uh, Miss Tyson actually broke into movies in 1959. She was primarily a theater actress before that. Uh, she broke in in the Harry Philip Belafonte movie, Eyes Against Tomorrow. And like I said, when I talk about her, how she betrayed herself and her people, she actually refused to appear in any black exploitation movies, especially when the um, genre was real popular in the late 60s, early 70s. She refused to. Um, participate in any of those movies. And during her entire career, she never played any maids, any hookers, any prostitutes, nothing like that. She made sure, none of that happened. In fact, she actually stayed out of film for a couple of years until 1972, when she did the movie Sounder, for which she actually got the Academy Award nomination for Best Actress. Well, for,
1: I was gonna say, like maybe for, uh, for younger listeners who might not necessarily know uh, Ms. Tyson, it's it probably the, the only equivalent I could think of would be Sydney Poitier. Yes, Which mean, everybody, great, I mean, everybody should know that by now, right? So, that, yeah, that's exactly. good. It's a good corollary, I think. You know, she she was to uh, to, to young black, well, to, to black actresses in general, what Sydney Poitier should be and is to you know black actors. I mean, it's just
0: like you said, yes. a beacon. Yeah, just the early just that early light, that symbol of dignity. I, I agree with that actually. Well the, and
1: the mine too is kind of crazy, right? Cause I mean, we we always have that that bias of like what we've experienced and kind of where we're at. Mm-hmm. Like I don't because you and I've talked about it before. We like usually around award season when you get into kind of, you know with the the black film of the year was was nominated or something. And you and I keep going, it's like, well, why is it just the one black film? Why aren't there more black films? Different stuff like that. If you sit back and you look at and can really understand the history of Hollywood. And honestly, like, you want to talk about like racism and racist stuff. (laughs) It has been historically, one of the most racist industries. And a lot of it goes to foreign sales. And we can go down a rabbit hole on it. But to really appreciate someone like Miss Tyson and understanding the amount of just bullshit, for lack of a better term, that she had to go through, and then like yes. you said, maintaining and like she never played a maid, she never played a prostitute, like being so choosy in her roles and still maintaining a career. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole nother level that you really have to kind of move to an appreciation for somebody's commitment like that. Because I mean, you know what it is, you're you're trying to make it as as a young actor right now too, dude. Like,
0: yes, and. Uh, you feel like unfortunately, you want to take a role that you're offered. Yeah, unfortunately, that's a very true thing. I think the one thing that everybody says right now that's like the popular word, especially when it comes to casting, is ethnically ambiguous. That's really what they're going for a lot lately. And uh, when it comes to like uh, particular casting calls, they assess very specific. They want this type of person, Black, to look like this type of guy, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then like when you get on set, uh, especially if you're a bigger guy they just want you to be scary and intimidating and all this other stuff. Like I can be funny. Like, uh, yeah, that's cool. But like, I want you to be real scary. Like, you know, do this or man, that kind of shit. Cause they, that's the idea of what black people are like. And unfortunately I still, we still deal with that now and it sucks. But, uh, it's also a big guy
1: thing too. Cause the handful of roles I had when I was uh, performing, it was
0: always be a big scary guy. So you, yeah. you're kind of doubly screwed my friend. Basically, <laughs> that's why I, that's why i tell people all the time i always the one like i will always talk about like you know like the x-men and shit like that like uh yeah. the one character i relate to the most is the beast because of the fact that he's a big dude big scary looking guy but he's actually very nice and very smart you just don't you just don't get, a, get a everybody everybody's always got their uh, preconceived notions about him Exactly, so I agree with that. But uh, going back to Miss Tyson, now since we talked about like transformative acting and just uh, utter commitment to a role, the role that really made her a household name uh, happened in 1974 for the TV movie, The Autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman. Now, if you've never seen that autobi uh, that movie, so it's fantastic even now. And in the movie, she actually plays a 110-year-old woman, and she's sitting there recalling her life, and it actually required her to play the woman during a nine-decade period, playing the same woman in nine decades. And uh, one of the early works of uh, Mr. Uh, Rick Baker, a previous subject here on Dropping That Culture, he did the makeup for that movie. I was going to say, because
1: you looking at it from the time period and everything else and how hard it is, to properly do those transformations. I mean, I think it was, the, um, uh, oh shit, the, the name of the movie just flew out of my head, the one about Mozart. Amadeus? Amadeus, it was, an Amadeus was probably the first major film that uh, I would say had any real notoriety to it where they managed to successfully without any real issues have an aging process all the way up until I think he was supposed to be in his 80s where it it didn't look campy at all. But when you watch what Rick Baker did with Tyson, it definitely the forerunner of of, of Amadeus for actually being able to successfully do that multiple year transformation without it looking cheesy or overly prosthetic.
0: Yeah, and like I said, she had a long fruitful career. uh, Even after Jane Pittman, she actually won two Emmys Miss Jane Pittman. She also won Tony's for her work on Broadway. Uh, she's had a basically maintained a steady career. In later years, she kind of strayed away a little bit, but in recent years, Tyler Perry has kind of given her a new life because he puts her in try, we tried to put her in as many movies he, as he can. I think she's like in Diary of a Mad Black Woman and a couple of the other Madea movies. But yeah she, yeah, she had a new little profile here, younger viewers because of Tyler Perry movies. And like I said, she—that's pretty much. I think the last couple of things she did before she passed away. So yeah, may um, she rest yeah. in peace, Miss Cicely Tyson. Another one that really hits uh kids of this generation, especially you and me, Dustin Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Screech from say by the Bell passed away at the age of forty-four from cancer. And the weird part about—weird part about it is I think he just got his cancer diagnosis just like within the last few—I think months. Is like within the last few months and. Yeah, hey, pass passed right sorry it was a dog <laughs> yeah 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 I, I figured as much that that wasn't
1: there wasn't a comment on uh on dustin diamond
0: <laughs> no not at all no it's just a, just, just, just a dog. I mean,
1: yeah. you know it's one of those ones it's it sucks all the way around and I, you know dealing with some family members that have had it there's a uh, there's a lot of plus and minus to looking at in terms of how long before you get your diagnosis before uh, the inevitable happens. But either way, it just it sucks for him and sucks for his family. And definitely a, definitely a bummer. And with the new Save by the bell, I mean, that seals the deal. There's no way he's coming back for any cameos.
0: Exactly. And speaking of which, like I said, his signature role, as everybody knows it'll be Samuel screech powers on say about bill, uh, the character first debuted on good morning, miss bliss. Uh, Dustin apparently was just 11 years old when he first got the part. He beat over 5,000 other kids to get it. Uh, of course, Say It By The Bell aired from 1989 to 1993. And it had a couple of spinoffs, Say By The Bell, The College Years, and Say It By The Bell, The New Class, with Dustin Diamond in both of those. And like I said, they launched the uh, sequel on Peacock here with most of the original cast, like Elizabeth Berkley, uh, Marta Lopez, Timpani- Tiffany Thiessen, and uh Mark Paul Gonsler. Uh, so, and then the big notable exclusion was a uh, Screech uh, Dustin Diamond. They, I, think, I think I think they also brought back uh, what's her name, a Lark he's This turtle, they brought her back too. I think for like a brief thing, but they didn't bring back uh, Dustin. And yeah, like you said, this seals the deal. Yeah, so. Uh,
1: well, I mean, that you know, that's a lot of you know, child actors. It's just rough for them afterwards, and you know there was always uh, always stuff about challenges working with him in the later years.
0: So you yeah, know,
1: it was a shame all the way around.
0: Yeah, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, but yeah, he did have some troubles in his later years. Uh, but uh, like I said, rest in peace, Dustin Diamond. Uh, going on another favorite of mine uh, and quiet favorite too, Hal Hallbrook. Yeah, died at age of ninety five. Uh, for a lot of people who don't know, he is best known for his role as Mark Twain, which he portrayed for decades in a solo show called Mark Twain Tonight, which he directed himself. He actually won the uh, Tony Ford in 1966. and the show went back to Broadway in 1977 and 2005. He started performing the show in 19, uh, 1954 and performed it over 2,000 times. Jeez, Up geez. until like 2000, 2010. Like 1954 to 2010 at least, playing Mark Twain.
1: Dude, and you've done, you've done yeah, plays, right? Say so what? You've done plays, haven't you? Yes, I have. Dude, that's the thing that always killed me with a play, and that's why I eventually gravitated towards film, doing the same thing over and keeping it fresh and entertaining. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing it 2,000 times plus for that many years. Like, oh my God,
0: dude. That's a whole nother level of performer. Yes, sir. He also received an Emmy nomination for, uh, when they did a TV adaptation of Mark Twain Tonight in 1967. And funny enough, he also played Abraham Lincoln uh, in, uh, excuse me, he did a miniseries in the 70s for NBC called Lincoln. And he also did the same role again in the ABC miniseries, North and South, Remember that one with uh, Patrick Swayze and uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Kirstie Alley and shit. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So he was in that one too. Uh, he's he's won over four Emmys over his entire career, uh, but I think uh, his one of his his uh, film work is really where he kind of blew up in terms of the public eye. One of his better roles, one of his biggest roles, even though you barely see him in it, is he played Deep Throat yeah. in yeah. All the President's Men. Oh, but that's uh, yeah. Right? like if you're
1: a great performer they yeah. can have a limited amount of screen time and and become central like it's one of the things they always talk about with like Hannibal Lecter like in Silence of the Lambs he's in that movie like 8 minutes 12 minutes something like that and everybody yeah. talks silence of the lambs they don't talk about buffalo bill they might talk about clarice but everyone talks about hannibal lecter yes exactly so same thing here everybody's talking about deep throat
0: yeah the, the movie itself all the president's men about the reporters Woodward and Bernstein uncovering the Watergate scandal in the 70s. Now, their informant, one of the well, uh, the main informant here in terms of like helping them unravel that case, was a dude named Deep Throat who they would meet in a like a, what, like a parking well, lot. Let's be, let's be clear. Yeah. They called himself Deep Throat. But in this particular case, he was an informant for these two reporters. But like they met him in like a parking lot structure, like under his like terms or whatever, and he was giving them all this information vaguely, but but the one phrase that really stuck out in his performance was follow the money. Yeah,
1: but real quick before we move on, yeah. this is something I've never heard anybody discuss, and it just bears a moment of reflection. So this is all true story. There was a yes. guy in the 1970s yes. who when informing on the president of the United States, referred to himself. It wasn't something somebody else came up with. This wasn't some moniker the press threw on him. Decided, yes. had a cognizant thought, and decided to refer to himself
0: as deep throat. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. Of all yes, he things,
1: did. you did. You could call yourself you know, the true patriot, you could call yourself Batman, <laughs> you, could, you could make yeah. up whatever you want, you could be Captain America. No, call me Deep Throat.
0: <laughs> and the reason we're laughing so hard for you young kids out there is around that same time frame, uh, there was a very notorious pornographic film also called Deep Throat. Oh, no, forget that younger viewers know what deep throat means in a medicine they do now mainly but mainly
1: because of that porn I know but i'm saying like it it means everybody knows what it means it had the exact same connotation so
0: exactly so yeah okay uh, but hey yeah.
1: I mean, you know what i appreciate somebody with a sense of humor <laughs>
0: yeah but but now think about it how many how kids, <laughs> yeah. kids in history class have to read about deep throat <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my god Thank you, thank you for putting that visual in my head. Some kid I'm doing. Just
1: a, I'm just saying. I think. I think it's hilarious. It'd be like the next great, you know, uh, informer naming himself ATM or something, right? Like, it's just you pick some horrible porno moniker. Oh, was that
0: was that was that shit from South Park DVD? A that's your <laughs> that's your informant name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. uh. My, my, what's my former name? The Alabama Will or Will wheelbarrow some shit like that. The dirty thing. All right, let's get it. Let's get back to let's get all. Um, but think about it, like in terms of like how iconic an image was. How many TV shows and movies have you seen where they do a deep throat parody? All of them. Oh my god! Like freaking like, there's always something happens where like they have like a, a case or some kind of mystery mm-hmm. that they have. What about I say trading places has a I deep Throat say, parody. What are all time favorites? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Murphy does it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I remember uh, Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman had one. Yep. and uh, I think I think he's uh, I think he's like spilling the beans on like Lex Luthor or some shit like that. So, so yeah, they've done a bunch of parodies of deep Um uh, but yeah, like I said, that's an iconic character uh, and that's based on a real person. Um, and a couple other Mr. Holbrook's roles that I really liked. Um, where he was the uh the the bad police lieutenant in uh dirty Hair, the second dirty Harry movie, Magnum Force. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he's like there was there was like a squad of like vigilante cops killing folks like indiscriminately, and he was the leader of them. He was like the secret leader. Uh so yeah, he, I like that. And uh, also another big favorite of mine. He played the henpecked husband uh, that uses a monster to get rid of his shrewish truest, truest shrewish wife in uh, the uh, movie Creep Show.
1: Oh yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah he yeah and the wife was Adrian Bravo. She was a complete bitch and she was like loud and like obnoxious. And at one point, he finds this monster in a basement or some shit like that. And he uses the monster to get, to get rid of his wife. And uh, the whole, the whole segment, is just one segment, it's called The Crate. And he, the whole segment, you see him having fantasies of killing his wife at like dinner parties and shit like that. <laughs> and he, he finally gets rid of her, man. Uh, and also, another uh, short role, but memorable, he played a stockbroker that was warning about the dangers of ethical lapses in wall street the oliver stone movie oh yeah i forgot about that yeah he was on wall street and uh he also drew an academy award nomination uh, for best supporting actor for his uh role in the movie into the wild in 2008 uh making him the oldest performer to ever receive that recognition crazy
1: there's a there's a joke i always like to to bring up about Winning or being nominated for best actor or best actress, and uh, I can never remember her name. The little girl from *Beast of the Southern Wild*.
0: Who got I know, I know what you're like, talking, I know you're talking about, but yeah, I've got a name. too. got
1: nominated for an Academy Award at like nine years old.
0: Yeah, and then Hannah <laughs> uh, Paquin getting nominated. Like, yeah, like she's like around the she? She won. Well, there was uh, at that, around the same age, right?
1: Well, there was there was some there was some stand up I remember hearing. He <laughs> said, "Next time somebody tells him." Something about getting nominated for an Academy Award, or hears some celebrity, you know, spouting off about how I was nominated. Like, good for you! You did something a nine year old can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's to take nothing away from her performance, but it just always cracks me up on it because that because it just made me think because you have both ends, right? You have the oldest and the youngest.
0: Wow. Exactly. It's crazy business. It's a crazy business, man. But you, in Priest, Hal Holbrook, yeah. another one, and I think this one might touch you a little bit more than me. Christopher Plummer.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I was always a Christopher Plummer fan, but um, probably not as much as you, you'd think. In fact, if I remember right, I think the one that probably sticks in my head the most is going to be uh, National Treasure. OK, all he right. Played, he played the uh, the young, uh, 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 well, I guess he wasn't young. He was the grandfather of uh, uh, Nicolas Cage when he was a little kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I always always remember him telling him this story about the uh, uh, the Knights Templar and the treasure that they hid from the British.
0: Oh, I, I, was, I was thinking you would have a connection with him because of, you know, Dragnet.
1: No, I mean, dude, like I, I loved him in Dragnet too, but I, that's, I'm just telling you the one that hits me and kit, like sticks in my head the most is probably that one. But it's, you know, that's the other thing too with National Treasure, because it's on its face. Like if you really sit back and try to look at it as a rational adult, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But there's something about it that's that's almost Spielberg-esque in how it was done. Yeah. And it just, for whatever reason, it's like, it's that that one of those first films I saw as an adult, right? Because it came out when mm-hmm. I am grown up that made me feel childish again.
0: Yeah, I got you, I got you on, that's,
1: that's why it sticks with me there. But yeah, I mean, the Dragnet thing, of course, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <it's>,
1: <laughs> he was great in that
0: as the villain. Yes, 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 he was, yeah. The leader of what, leader of Pagan. Yep, people
1: people yeah. against uh, normalcy. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. And actually I looked up the uh, the whole thing. You mentioned the girl from uh, Beast of the Seven Wild thing. Uh I looked up the youngest ones. Apparently the youngest person to ever win the Academy Award is Tatum O'Neill, and second youngest is Anna Pacqua. She Tatum went mm-hmm. O'Ne- Tatum O'Neill won at ten and uh Anna Pacqua won at eleven. So And that's why
1: they say as as an actor, I never work with Anna. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, you're doing something that a nine year old could do. <laughs> it's
1: not fair, they're so much better at
0: imagining. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, now Mr. Plum was actually best known to the vast majority of people as Captain Von Trapp in uh, The Sound of Music. Um, my mother yeah. loves that movie, I can't stand it.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm very limited in uh, what musicals I enjoy.
0: Yeah, apparently, he didn't like the movie either. I think he's, I think he's, uh like the sound of vomit or some shit like that. He did not like the movie, <laughs> but he, he, he appreciates the recognition from it. He appreciated the recognition around it. Hey, now, him. some of the other... Go ahead. I just said getting paid is getting paid. Exactly. Now, some of the other films Mr. Plum was known for, like, very, very uh wide-ranging choices here. Like, uh, like we mentioned Dragnet. He was in 12 Monkeys. He was in uh, Wolf, one of my favorites, with Jack Nicholson. Uh, he's the bad guy in Star Trek Six The Undiscovered Country. Yeah. He was a Klingon now. Yeah. yeah, he's a Klingon now, and he's in a beautiful mind. Oh among, among, right. so yeah. In, yeah, he's yeah, he he great in that. He also did voice work and particularly in Up, the movie Up, and uh in an American Tale, you know, Fightful. Yeah. He's yeah. in that <sighs> What was it? What was his role in Up? What was his role? I couldn't I had remember. to look it up. Yeah. I I, I don't okay. remember exactly the role, but he did voice work for Up. Uh. Yeah,
1: I'll, I'll look it up later.
0: Yeah. Uh he also played uh 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 Rudyard Kipling in uh, the John Huston movie The Man Who Will Be King. Oh yeah, he, uh, yeah he, it, Yes, exactly. And he also was Sherlock Holmes in the 1980 movie uh, Murder by Decree. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And most recently he uh did uh movies like uh he played uh, Mike Wallace in the insider the Michael Mann movie.
1: Yeah, actually that was you know what now that I think about it, that's probably number two for me in terms of what I think about with him. That that's a great film. If you've never seen exactly. it, watch a yeah. great
0: thriller. And again, based on the true story. Yeah. And the most recent thing I've seen him in, and I thought he was great in this shit too, knives out the uh the Who Done It movie. Oh, I haven't seen that one yet. It's great. Uh, he is the patriarch of this family. He gets killed, and all these people are like trying to figure out what to do with his money. But at the same time, they're trying to figure out who killed him. It's a great cast. It's like Michael Shannon, Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis, Don Johnson, Chris Evans is in it. Uh, oh, yeah. And then the main cop who's like the detective is like fucking Daniel Craig. Uh, so, yeah, great cast. Uh, definitely check it out, man, if you get a chance. For sure. And he yeah, also, uh, Mr. Plummer also uh, won the Academy Award in 2012 for the movie The Beginners, making him the oldest actor to ever win the Academy Award for Best Support. Award. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, he has a family connection to one of my favorite movies. Uh, his daughter, Amanda Plummer, is fucking Honey Bunny in Pulp Fiction. Oh, that's right. Uh, right. That's his daughter. Dude, I forgot all about that. Any of you motherfuckers move and I execute every motherfucking last one of you. Yeah, that's is done. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: great.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, alright, so rest in peace, Christopher uh, Plummer. Last one of the rest in peace and I'm done with that shit is uh, Leon Spinks. Great boxing about boxing earlier. Died at the age of 67 from prostate cancer. Now, <laughs> Mr. Spinks is a long, long joke uh, in, uh, in uh, pop culture, mainly on the Living Color and shows like that, because he's best known for being, constantly being photographed with no front teeth. Yep. But, yep. Uh, so he had like a gigantic gap, like the, the first four teeth of his, mouth, in his in his front or whatever are gone. And all you see is like the incisors and shit. It's like, oh, God. But he hadn't look for years finally got some actual replacements in this shit, but he was like a, he was a formidable boxer in his day. He's like one of those great forgotten heavyweights, man, especially in the, you know, the area between that, that that murky area in boxing between Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson in terms of heavyweights. He's in there. Yeah. That murky area is like him, Larry Holmes, Ken Norton, you know, in that, in that area, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and speaking of like that, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, his greatest fight of his entire career was in 1978 when he fought Muhammad Ali and beat Muhammad Ali to win the uh, WBA heavyweight championship of the world. Yep. Now he would actually yep. the funny is of it is when he went up to his fight for Ali with Ali, he had just turned pro. He, he also won the gold medal in the Montreal. Uh, Special games in 1976. I think mean, he and uh, Sugar Ray Leonard won gold, yeah. a gold in that particular Olympics. And he turned pro. And when he fought Ali, he only had eight pro fights under his belt and he won the heavyweight championship of the world. I mean, he was a hell of a fighter. Yeah, exactly. And what about Ali won the belt back later that year? But hey, Mr. Spinks was heavyweight champion of the world for a if period of time. You find,
1: if you fought Muhammad Ali once
0: and one, dude, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, you, be, you beat you, it, time, you still beat him. Exactly, like that's that that's the thing. Like him and Larry Holmes, him Larry Holmes and Ken Norton, they all had that one thing that most people can never say they did. They beat Muhammad Ali fair and square, and they won the world champions because of all three of what Well, actually, there Holmes be somebody else, but he did fight with Ali and, whooped and still. Whooped. Uh, but, yeah, uh, rest in peace to Leon Spinks. Uh, now, now that we got all the moderate, go ahead. I got one last
1: rest in peace. All right, okay, what's up? Bruce Kirby, Colombo. Oh, right. Cause that's one again for people our age group. Cause it was right at the end, right? As where we're pretty little there. Columbo's still rocking on on television. Yeah. And that was a that was definitely a big one, especially if you uh, if you grew up in a house where your parents like watching like police procedurals. Oh yeah, Bruce
0: Kirby. Yeah. I, I, hey, he, when did this happen?
1: Uh, in the last few days. Hold on, here, let me double check. I had it written down. Uh, actually, it was it was the end of uh, end of January? It was like the twenty fifth or twenty sixth.
0: Oh damn, he was ninety five. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm saying we have to be up there, man. Like you, you're doing Columbo's and shit like that. Oh uh, yeah, like the, the the little guy. <laughs> he did a bunch of other shit too. Yeah, he did Columbo. He did Kojak. He did Murder She Wrote. <laughs> and he it was uh, a- <laughs> I think it, I think he had a brief part in that. What's that movie? Uh, Armed and Dangerous with with uh, John Candy. Yeah, he had. A, I remember he, he was John Candy's police captain in that movie.
1: Yeah. No, his, he was, he was a quintessential, like, 1980s detective cop.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace, Mr. Bruce Kirby, man. Sure. All right. So, like I said, let's go ahead and get into the other stuff. I got a few more things, and then we'll go ahead and head out, man. Uh, first off, since we talked about wrestling earlier, uh, during the time frame we were gone, the uh, 2021 Royal Rumble went down. Uh, there were two winners for the male and female Royal Rumble. Uh, the the winner of the male rumble was uh, Edge, returning after like ten years. <coughs> uh, well, he actually returned last year at the Royal Royal Rumble last year, and uh, came back again. Now he's won the rumble. He has a match at WrestleMania. Big comeback, but it's kind of it's uh, it's it's a, a, a misreaction for Edge winning because number one they're happy he's back, but number two. He won the Royal Rumble, which means he goes up against the world champion. And there's like so many other young stars who want to go up against the world champion. It's like, why are you going with this, you know, older guy who's been there, done that? You know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. But Edge is still a name, obviously. So I'm I'm thinking that's the way they're going with it. Uh, But the real news is the winner of the female Royal Rumble, Bianca Belair. Uh, This actually makes her... Which funny enough is actually the day right before Black History Month started. She's the first black woman to ever win the Royal Rumble. Keep in mind, there's only been like four of them since they started this. Like the, Royal, the female Royal Rumble is relatively new, but she's the first black woman to win it. And also the second black person ever to win the Royal Rumble period. The first one is The Rock. And uh, I actually watched that match. It was really great. Uh, she actually entered at number three Uh, If you watch enough Royal Rumbles, you know that if you enter a number other than, well, basically, if you enter in the first five numbers, it's very unlikely that you're going to win the world. Uh, The best spot is like the lower five numbers, like so, like twenty-five on. It's thirty people all together going to be coming into the match, and if you want, you want to get that prime spot, the twenty, any number between twenty-five and thirty, those are the prime spots, and usually most of the winners come from the twenty-seventh spot. Uh, But she came in at three. She lasted the entire match, which is 56 minutes, and she actually broke a record doing that because that's the longest any female has ever competed in the Royal Rumble. And, uh, yeah, so like I say, it's a beautiful thing. Like, a lot of great positive press coverage on this. Apparently, the locker room is all supportive of her. Like, I've been a fan of her ever since she's, like, come onto the scene. She's younger. She's hella athletic, uh, one of her her gimmick is that she is the EST of WWE. EST meaning like if you say she is the she is the smartest, she is the fastest, she is the greatest. So the EST that thing, and well, she's phenomenal, healthy, and very charismatic. So
1: well, real quick, just keep mind because I know I know some of our less uh, wrestling inclined listeners might go, like, oh, it's it's written, it's you know, it's it's all it's all predetermined, blah blah. Sure, fine. We, we can argue about the scripting aspect of it. But, like you and I have mm-hmm. said a billion times before, something everyone needs to keep in mind you're watching stunt performers perform literally, in a lot of cases, just damage and destroy their bodies for an extended period of time. And part of the reason, like you said, they usually come, the, the winner usually comes from that 25 to 30 mark is because of the amount of time in that Royal Rumble you have to physically be engaged. It's nearly impossible to maintain that same level of athleticism and dominance for an hour straight I mean think about boxing like something like boxing or MMA where you're gonna watch anywhere from three five minute rounds to you know 10 or 12 uh, you know two or three minute rounds it's an intense amount of physical activity for anybody to continue on and so her coming in like you said in that three spot and hanging in there yeah dude like absolutely insane
0: exactly and then uh, I just talked about Edge too Edge actually injured at number one and he's like in his like mid 40s close to 50 and he came in at number one 58 minutes and won the World Rumble so phenomenal athleticism absolutely yeah so big ups to Edge and big ups to Bianca Belair now, going into the uh, more entertainment-centric news, uh, uh, the Black Panther: Kingdom of Wakanda spin-off series has actually been announced for Disney Plus. Uh, so, director Ryan Coogler is now attached to uh, a new series for Disney Plus as part of his uh, five-year deal with his production company, Proximity Media and Disney. Uh, Ryan Coogler himself kind of re- released a statement about it. He's like, "It's an honor to be partnering with the Walt Disney Company." Working with them on Black Panther was a dream come true. As avid consumers of television, we couldn't be happier by the launching of our television business with Bob Iger, Dana Walden, and all the amazing studios under the Disney umbrella. Now, from my understanding, these uh Kingdom of Wakanda shows are gonna add a new wrinkle because they basically gonna give the supporting cast of the Black Panther movie a bigger venue to shine in. You know what I'm saying? So. You know the uh, people that were behind T'Challa, so the Dora Milaje, probably his sister Shiri, You know Mbaku, the um, uh, people like that. You know what I'm saying? So, or also just show maybe stuff about you know what's life like in Wakanda. You know what I'm saying? What what's happening in Wakanda? Uh, uh, Are they going to do something in terms of T'Challa's passing? Uh, That's the big thing too. Like how how, what's going to happen in Wakanda now that T'Challa has passed away? That's the big question on everybody's mind. But uh, I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm thinking I'm, it's Ryan Cougar. I'm, I know he's going to knock it out, knocking out the park. So I know I'm very confident in his abilities. You know
1: what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, hey, and along that vein, uh, we could probably also talk about Michael B. Jordan.
0: His new deal? Yes. Course. Yes. Uh, so there is, uh, well, one thing, I've heard, well, there's a couple rumors I've heard of Michael B. Jordan. Number one, uh, I've heard that number one, he is coming back for Black Panther 2. And another rumor I'm hearing is that uh, because of the passing of T'Challa, a lot of people are speculating that they're going to somehow resuscitate Killmonger because they never actually showed Killmonger dying in Black Panther. He fell over, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's dead. You know what I'm
1: saying? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. uh, they're
0: thinking they're going to try to resuscitate uh, Killmonger, maybe try to rehabilitate him and maybe have him be the new Black Panther. Well, that's one rule I'm we Well,
1: the the other one thing i was throwing out with Michael B. Jordan specifically is uh his production company's new deal, I believe, with Amazon.
0: Yes, that's
1: right. So so there's that one as well. So on his front, because you know it's not bad considering uh we all watched, you know, poor little Wallace get murdered in the towers.
0: If you're yes. I, I are say like of, of the wire. Um uh, like yeah, I I was gonna say that too, because he went all the way from Wallace. That's the first thing I ever saw in the end too, was Wallace yep. on the Wire. Yep. And that, and that, yeah, the way they killed off Wallace fucked me up, too. I was like, that's fucked
1: up. Well, and of everybody, I mean, when you watch that show, right? Killer show. If you haven't seen it, go go find it, watch it. When you watch that show, of everybody you saw in the entire in the entirety of that thing, that Michael B. Jordan would be the long-term breakout star superstardom, I, I don't think I would have put money on it. I mean, he was great in that role. He was one, yeah. of, one of the handful of people you'd say really truly had like a really good heart. He was just mix, mixed up in some stuff. Yeah. But as far as like screen time and everything else, like you probably, I, I think, I don't think anybody's being honest would say that's the guy they would have picked, right? Yeah. But he he's, he's doing it and he's killing it. And now, you know, going from that young adolescent we saw on The Wire to the man that he is now and watching what he can bring to, to the big screen, um, definitely, definitely one of the guys to watch right now. So I'm going to be interested to see what
0: he does. Yeah, if you want to look at the breakouts of the wire, it's definitely him and Idris Elba. Of the breakouts of the wire. And not, 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 not to uh, shit on any of the other people that did the wire, because in fact, a lot of the other people went on to have, or still are having great careers. I believe uh the dude that played uh, I forgot that one older cop name. He was in John Wick. And also in the uh, Five Bloods, uh, the dude Wendell Pierce, uh, who played, uh, I believe his name was Bump. Uh, he's gonna be playing BB King. Uh, I did a, I did a movie with the dude to play Avon Barksdale, uh, Wood Harris, who's hella nice by the way. So yeah, they're all doing great stuff, man. So but yeah, like Michael B. Jordan definitely became the, the guy in terms of breaking out, especially of the younger the younger cast that was on that show is definitely Michael B. Jordan. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're also all respecting him. Now, uh, I think we kind of touched on this before, uh, before the break that we had or whatever. But I'll go ahead and reiterate it real quick. Uh, Zack Snyder confirming that Justice League, the Snyder Cut of Justice League that comes out next month, will be a four-hour movie as opposed to a miniseries. All right. Yeah. So. The fabled and long-hyped, and I'm saying that right now, long-hyped Snyder Cut comes out next month, actually, on HBO Max. Now, Snyder himself doesn't classify this movie as a miniseries, uh, but he said it would be available in four parts last an hour each. It was unclear. uh, He actually announced this back in August at the Disney Fandom. It was unclear if Disney Max had planned on releasing the Snyder Cut all at once or if it was going to be in a kind of a staggered format, kind of similar to how Disney Plus uh, dropped shows like The Mandalorian. However, in this past December, Snyder himself said uh, his version of uh, Justice League is going to be carrying an R rating. Uh, This is actually a quote from him. Uh, Here's one piece of information nobody knows. The movie is insane and so epic. It's probably rated R. That's one thing I think will happen, that it will be an R-rated version for sure. We haven't gone to the MPAA yet, but that's my gut. So R-rated, four-hour movie. You know what's still crazy though, when you talk
1: about R-ratings in superhero films, I'm still shocked. And I think it's probably because they cut out some of the CGI blood and things that they could have done. Uh But the fact that the Dark Knight avoided an R-rating. Yeah. That one, I mean, not just the subject matter they delve into, but the level of violence and the psychological trauma and stuff. If anything, the only thing that I'd say probably probably saved them was that Maggie Gyllenhaal's performance was so rough <laughs> that yeah. it it broke the reality.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, That's the Maggie only. That's Gil- the only thing about that entire film that that I don't love. It, it's too bad they couldn't have kept Katie Holmes. And she's not like my my top tier performer, but I, I feel like it would have done better for The
0: Dark Knight. But for, con- for the sake of continuity. Well, and I'm sorry, but for
1: my money, for the most part, I think Katie Holmes has always been a, a better performer than the Maggie Gyllenhaal. Although I'll, I'll say um, in Crazy Hearts, she wasn't bad. She was pretty decent in Crazy Hearts. Or it was a Crazy Hearts <laughs> Heart.
0: I can't remember. I, I, I remember the movie that she actually dropped out of uh, the Dark Knight to do fucking Mad Money with Queen yeah. Latifah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and she and she, her career had really recovered since. <laughs> yeah. 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 So bad choice, Katie. Sorry. Yep. That and the Tom Cruise things. Those were two bad choices. <laughs> well,
1: that was that was probably part of what was screwing her up was okay. was dealing with the fallout from that. So can only imagine how rough that had to be.
0: Exactly. Uh, I got two more pieces of uh, information here, and then we'll go ahead and uh, call it a wrap. Uh, last, uh, last, One of the last two is uh, Law & Order Organized Crime is going to be debuting with a crossover with Law & Order SVU uh, in April, and it's going to be reuniting uh, Benson and Stabler. Yep, I'm very happy about this. So they announced that NBC, NBC announced that the new show, the new Law & Order, Law & Order of Organized Crime, is going to be starring Chris Maloney, best known as uh, Stabler, Elliot Stabler, on Law & Order SVU. Uh, it's going to be debuting in a crossover with SVU on April 1st. Now, this is going to be a two-hour event It's going to begin with a new episode of SVU, and it's going to go into the debut of Organized Crime. So it's going to start at like 9 and then go into the new show at 10. Now, this crossover, like I said, is going to be reuniting Chris Maloney and Mariska Hargitay on screen for the first time ever since uh, Chris Maloney left uh, SVU in 2011. Damn, I didn't realize it was that long ago. 10 yeah. years ago. Damn, it seems just like yesterday, but yeah, it was 10 years ago. But oh, yeah, so. Uh,
1: Favorite role of his though, is still that uh, small part that he had in uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas when he plays the, uh, the uh, angry gay hotel clerk.
0: Yeah, that's a great one too. But like, uh, my favorite current role of Chris Maloney, uh, Harley Quinn. He's Commissioner Gordon.
1: Oh, that's I forgot about that. He does the, the VO in that.
0: Yeah, he's Commissioner Gordon, and he is fucking nuts as Commissioner Gordon, man.
1: But dude, you remember you remember that part in Fear and Loathing, right?
0: Yeah, I do. I know. I know the exact part you're talking about. It's just like I'm talking about uh, my my personal favorite of Chris Maloney. No, no, I and got. it. Qu- what, what? happened? Go ahead
1: no i said i got you i i get it like i i know i know what you're talking about in that one like that's great i just because there's something about for me i always kind of have a have a tendency to divorce vo from on camera so it's like we can talk about like mark hamill right and like vo hands down it's the joker right yeah yeah that's his greatest vo role ever but you're gonna talk about mark hamill he's luke skywalker exactly right so it's like it's it's the two for me so for even though he is uh stabler and i probably saw him more as Stabler than anything else whenever i think about him as an actor i always go straight to him doing um uh doing that hotel clerk in fear and loathing because it's it's so funny and he's so bitchy and he's so angry he just it's a great performance it's a it's one of those little ones right he's in there for maybe two minutes the whole film but it's so freaking great and then and he, and yeah. you go, E-O, of course, Commissioner Gordon, like he kills yeah. it.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say, we're both missing one that is hilarious from him. Well, two of them, really, but one in particular. Uh, him as Gene in Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, that's right. Gene the cook in Wet <laughs> Hot American Summer is Chris Maloney. He's like, uh, <laughs> I, never,
1: I know a lot of people and i found it. Almost exclusively in California when I when I moved out here, a lot of yeah. people were nuts for that film. It was never really one of my tops. That's probably why I forget it. But he he was good. That was a good role for him.
0: Yeah, he was great though. I love that movie, man. Like freaking like he was like talking to the can of you know, the can of corn or a can of beans or something like that, and it was voiced by H. John Benjamin, <laughs> the dude that does Archer. Yep. Yeah, he's like he kept having these weird ass conversations. He would like bring up stuff like uh, he, he likes uh, smear mud on his ass. And he owns, he owns a bottle of dick cream. Yeah. And, and like he likes to fondle sweaters and uh, hump the refrigerator. Just these weird quirks. And then I think he has like a speech towards the end where he like busts out and says all those quirks in front of a group of kids. He's yeah. like, uh, right, I'm Gene. I hope you have summer here. I'm going to go uh, hump the fridge. I'm like, what'd you say? said I'm going to go hump the fridge. He just feels proud to say it like yeah. I also uh own a bottle of dick cream I like to fall on my sweaters and smear out <laughs> I bet you guys are thinking right now this guy's a weirdo he's outcasts outcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, uh I mean that's possible it's pretty true you know but you know what I'm saying I'm, he goes to the thing I'm not gonna uh deny myself about myself and I'm proud of who I am <laughs> <laughs> he starts crying he's like Look at me, mom! I'm finally okay. <laughs> and the kids are like clapping for him and shit because he had this moment. And he's like now, if you excuse me, I got some unfinished business to attend to. Somebody brings out a fridge and starts smoking it for the kids. <laughs> it's great. And then he was uh, I forgot his name. Uh, but he was like the fucked up southern dude in, in uh, Harold and Kumar oh yeah 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 with all the stuff on his face like all the uh zits and shit like i forgot his name but yeah he was all weirded out and shit (laughs) yeah that was him too man (laughs) yeah chris maloney great actor man uh but uh going back to the show real quick so the new show is going to have stabler returning to uh basically to the nypd to battle organized crime after a devastating personal loss so Stabler's gonna be aiming to rebuild his uh, life as part of this new elite task force that's gonna be taking apart the city's most powerful crime syndicates one by one. You know what I'm saying? So uh, they didn't really, they, I think, um, if I recall, it was an episode where they had got like a little girl or some shit like that on SVU, and she turned violent and she was gonna, They they, they spent the whole episode trying to save her but then, like uh, she's like confronts the person that was like tormenting her, and she has a gun, and he actually puts the station in danger, and he is forced to kill her because she's about to kill somebody else. Yeah, and that's yeah. kind of what caused him to leave SVU. And then they kind of announced off-screen that yeah, Stabler left. He just yeah, you know, he just kind of left. Yeah, it was, it was yeah, it's real messed up thing, man. But uh, I'm happy to see him back because like I haven't really watched SVU honestly since Stabler left yeah and it's still like it's tv's longest running drama right now so you know and that was like, yeah he left in this like 12th season so that's how long the show's been going on that's like 22 seasons you know
1: just as you were talking about <laughs> wet hot american summer it just reminded me i was watching uh Heavyweights last night did you ever watch that oh
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 still <laughs> pretty much plays the same character in every movie well <laughs> You know who I
1: realized was in it that I didn't realize had a small cameo role? Who? Peter Berg. Oh yeah, he is in it. He plays the chef. And after uh, I can never remember the kid's name. The kid who played Josh was Goldberg in the Mighty Ducks movies. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that pass, kid is
0: all fucked up. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> say that kid is all fucked
1: up now. Peter Berg sitting there smoking a cigarette while the kids are getting food in line. He goes, "Him? Yeah. Well, uh, Josh? Yeah. Well, uh, he's a, uh, well, he's dead. <laughs> yeah." It's so funny in that role. It's funny yeah. though to be able to go back and find these little little throwaway roles that some of these like major actor producers had when they were starting
0: out. Exactly, and yeah, like I said, and uh, it's Peter Berg. I believe it was his name, uh, Alan Covert uh, from the Adam Sandler movies. He's in that shit too. Yeah, yeah, he's the cameraman. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. And basically, what's funny is with the hairstyle
1: and the earring he's wearing, he's basically looks like nearly the same character he plays in uh, Wedding Singer.
0: Exactly. And then, ben, like I said, Ben Stiller, that character that I forgot the name of the main the character that he plays. Yeah, but it's pretty much White Goodman from Dodgeball.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing too, uh, I think uh, people kind of forget or miss. missing there is he also played not only does he play Tony Perkins, but he plays Tony Perkins' dad, Papa Papa
0: Perkins. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Papa persons.
1: <Prince. laughs> that's ridiculous but it's so funny. Like they commit those little kids commit like a half dozen felonies.
0: Oh my god, <laughs> man. To get rid of him. My but my favorite part of that movie when they dancing to what's that shit? I'm just a love machine. Oh yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah. The dance. Yeah, yeah, the dance yeah, yeah. I I was with that was man. Through-
1: Counselor Tim goes in and starts dancing because nobody else is dance. I'm saving the dance.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. He starts dancing and everybody starts dancing. Like, hey, they start getting into it, man, they have, and then they just start having fun. I like, I like that part. Okay, and the last tidbit I have for dropping that news and for pretty is to go, go get down. News potato. Oh, uh, okay. Here is one that we talked about. We talked about privately between ourselves, but I don't think we ever talked about it on the show. Liam Neeson Uh, has been in talks about starting a reboot of the naked gun which i am totally on board with yeah okay so uh liam neeson dropped a tidbit uh about his possible future in comedy because he's pretty much said he's retired from action movies because that's kind of been his whole m-o for like the better part of 10 years now it's taken yeah would take taken took off literally and uh, it's kind of been his M.O., like pretty much every movie has been taken or a taken-like movie.
1: Yeah, the last one where he's a snowplow driver and then it's taken. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, so we have to be worried about the plow man now? <laughs> I have a very particular set of skills. I,
0: just, I was just about like, to say that shit, too. That's perfect timing. I was just about to say that shit. It's a snowplow, and I am about to say, and it's taken, like you said, you said it for me. That's perfect, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was taken. <laughs> it was
1: so stupid, you wary of the plow, man. he's a boy.
0: <sighs> oh my god, okay, let's move on. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> yeah. And what really one, one of the reasons I'm very enthusiastic about this reboot is uh, who uh, basically because he was approached by by Seth McFarland, and they have worked together very well the last few years because they did what uh. Uh, they did Ted Two together. They did yeah. Family Guy together. He was mm-hmm. on the Orville, and of course, they were in that movie together, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Yeah. And, and so yeah, he worked very well with Seth MacFarlane. So that's one thing I give like in terms of like um, in terms of optimism about the movie. So like he said he was approached by Seth MacFarlane and Paramount Studios about maybe resuscitating the Naked Gun films. Now he actually uh, <laughs> he actually said that such a move would either Finish his career, or bring it in another direction. I honestly don't know. Yeah,
1: so, yeah. it's going to be interesting. Think, uh, that goes, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic.
0: Yeah, me too. Now, McFarlane himself said, uh, "This is what he said in terms of like uh, Neil Meeson doing a Naked Gun like movie." He said, "Generally, with g- dramatic actors, they kind of like to, uh, I, I, they kind of like to do the idea of coming in and doing the comedy to show that they can do comedy." Liam is great with comedy. I don't know whether you've uh, seen his uh, Ricky Gervais sketch. Uh, Liam is awesome. Uh, my dream is at some point to do an entire movie with Liam where he does a Leslie Nielsen naked gun kind of thing because he's so good at playing against the comedy and therefore he's hilarious. He just really knows what he's doing. Well, I, I,
1: did you ever watch that interview with Gene Wilder and, um, and Conan O'Brien? Uh, no. Gene Wilder was pointing out, talking about what they figured out doing comedy for all those years. And he said, you know, it took us a while to get there, but he said, we finally figured out the secret to comedy is being serious.
0: Yeah, Uh, actually, I was going to say that too. uh,
1: Can handle that like nobody's business? I mean, he's been in some of the most ridiculous, absurd situations in a dramatic sense, right? I mean, you know, everything from chasing his daughter to uh, Schindler's List, where it's just like surreal, absolutely insane. But he manages... To continue to play in a way that you you're totally with him, you're believing him. So if he can handle that and nobody's breaking and everybody's doing it in a comedic sense, mm-hmm. oh my god, dude! Like if that if that goes well enough, and I haven't I haven't said this in a long time, but there is at least a window of opportunity that maybe Airplane could come back. Yeah, there's, there's a possibility in that. you want? I mean, he can literally just go through Leslie Nielsen's film bio, and if they're gonna reboot everything Leslie was in, I think I think there's a chance Liam Nielsen could be that guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's got the voice, he's got the presence, he's got the look. But I was
0: gonna say about the whole uh, comedy playing the comedy series thing, that's, that's what they taught us at the Second City. Yeah. Is uh, playing a uh, comedy like uh, the key to comedy is to play it like it's the most serious thing that's happening in your life. Even did though it's a ridic- even though it's a ridiculous scenario, you play it like it's the most serious thing that's happening.
1: Did you ever did you ever see um,
0: Studio Sixty? Uh, the show. No. Uh, oh. Did they have that in like uh, something on the Sunset Strip? Well, like stu- Studio Sixty. The show was called Studio
1: Sixty, but inside of the show, Studio Sixty, they always called it Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip. That's what they call it inside of the show. Oh, okay. Show if you looked it up on, you know, IMDb or some would be studio six, but anyway, there's a, there's a great moment. So Matthew Perry's character is like the head writer and i um, blanking on the, the woman's name. Who's uh, who's like the main actress from the, the comedy troupe. They're having this conversation about um some sketch they're getting ready to do tonight. And she goes, Hey, can you, can you help me out? You know, when we did the table read, I got a laugh, but when we did the rehearsal, I didn't get a laugh. Can you tell me what Oh, don't worry about it. That's one laugh of, of 60 you're gonna to get tonight. It's like, come on, seriously. And he goes, you know what? She goes, what did I do wrong? He goes, well, in the table read, you asked for for the butter. She goes, okay, so what did I do in the in the rehearsal? Well, you asked for the laugh. You have to, so the whole idea is you have to be so serious in the moment of doing whatever that action is and, and not being aware that it could be funny to anyone else in order to sell the comedy so that the audience can enjoy the absurdity and, and the humor of the situation. Yeah, because so that's what I always think. It was like, no, no, always make sure you're asking for the butter, don't ask for the laugh,
0: exactly. Yeah, so like I said, that, and I've applied that to uh my own like uh comedy when I'm on stage or anything of that sort, and it does work. Like, you just treat it like you treat it like it's a goddamn drama, but because of what you're saying and how ridiculous what you're saying is, like, it makes it hilarious. The people are dying laughing, you're serious as hell. And like, but like it's that dichotomy with that, you know what I'm saying? Like, people like people like it, man. So fucking, like it works. So yeah. I can I can see Liam killing this shit. Cause he, like I said, his family guy episode is one of my favorite episodes. Cause like he is him versus Peter. Like, uh well, Peter has his thing where like, I can kick Liam Neeson's ass. or so, like he, he keeps saying that I can kick Liam Neeson's ass. But then they find out that he Liam Neeson is filming like a movie in co-op. So they go to his set and uh, like, hey, Peter said he can whoop your ass. Like, like go ahead, whoop his ass, Peter. And Peter <laughs> gets mad because there like, there's Liam Neeson. Like, and then Liam Neeson, like, is not backing down. I like, okay, you want my ass? Come with my ass. <laughs> and again, they have an epic fight sequence. Well, so, you know, like, Peter usually wins most of the fights he's in. He gets the shit beat out of him by Liam Neeson.
1: Yep. yep. Oh, my
0: God. It was a great episode. And then, like, they, like I said, they've done the other movies too, like Ted and, uh, he, he, yeah, he's the bad guy in the many ways to die in the West. And, uh, yeah, I've I, 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 I got, like, he did, like, just a brief little role on the Orville. He did that favor for Seth. So yeah. he and Seth worked well together. Yeah, this is this is going to be good. Yeah, so uh, I'm hoping it's, uh, I hope it's really good, because that's a big, that's some big shoes to fill, man. Leslie Nielsen made a whole career out of Frank Dreven. Yes, he did. A whole a whole new career out of Frank Dreven. Mm. Yeah. Don't call me sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's some airplane. That's kind of the start of it, but it really kicked off the full gear with police squad and negative. yeah. No, but yeah, I mean, like,
1: that's what I was saying. I'd love to see see them find a way to, to do a new airplane.
0: <laughs> surely you can't be serious. I am serious. They I just want
1: to tell you mind. all, we're all counting on you. Good luck. Yeah, we're, we're all
0: pro- yeah, Good luck. We're all counting on you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> uh, we gotta go to the hospital. What's that? It's a big building with patients, but that's not the point. <laughs> so, it's a, oh god, such a silly movie! That should that we've had that on our watch along list for god knows how long. When are we, when are we gonna pop the cork on that, moment? dude? Let's make it our next watch along. I'm down with that, man. I really am. So, all right, all right. Well, that's last thing I got for uh, pretty much the meat and potatoes in the news. You have anything else? Nah, man. I think uh, I think that does it. That was a good one for today. Oh yeah, man. So we well, this is like well over two hours. So yeah, a little longer
1: yeah. than, than I anticipated. You know, I got to get back in, and take care of my uh, my new baby. But uh, this was yeah. uh, this was well deserved uh, break for us to catch up here, and might be yeah. might be a little more uh, tight on our next few. But I think this is a good way to kick off 2021.
0: Damn right it is, man. So uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed this uh, comeback of uh, Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. Again, uh, say it again. This is Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. And I'm AJ. We'll uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace. Later. Dropping Dropping That Culture. 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 Dropping that coast Dropping that coast. Dropping that coast. Dropping that coast Dropping that coast.